1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast, episode 101. I'm Shad here with Matt and Brad. Guys, how are you holding up?
2: Uh, Doing good, Shad.
1: I'm doing well.
2: Shad, <laughs> it's a little hesitant. Sorry, no, I... I
0: thought I heard a beeping in my house and I couldn't figure out what it was.
2: Uh, I think we're all, we're all a little like, um, have cabin fever maybe with. Eh, With slightly, yeah, uh, but great news to everyone involved. Yeah, here in the podcast, the podcast guys has been deemed an essential business.
1: Oh, so, <laughs> so the podcasting <laughs> will continue Ugh. until morale improves, yes. Yes. or it doesn't. We'll just keep doing it. You, you want to know how
0: bad my cabin fever is? Like, I was, I was trying to convince, I was trying to talk myself out of like <laughs> maybe Friday or next week. Going into the office for a day just because I know no one will be there and it would be a change of scenery. That's how bad my cabin fever is. Would they even allow you to do that? Yeah, the building still. I can, well, <clears throat> so the building I work in is is rented and it's essentially closed to the public, but we can scan in.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So as long as we want to go in, because some of our some of the people don't have um, internet at home, which which blows me away, but so some people do come in but like as long as you they just ask that you follow like the the guidelines
2: mm-hmm. the social distancing
0: yeah and so I think they said the total people in my company out of like a couple thousand like other than the male people who are essential they said like 20 people are going in office right now across like 8 locations so I mean there'd probably be 2 other people that I'd be nowhere near all day
1: the, um, yeah, I've 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 had to go into my office, you know, like maybe once one day, uh, for the last few weeks, like one day a week, mm-hmm. to uh, to get some stuff together because we've got some things that, as per our our grant guidelines, they have to remain under like a certain amount of security and stuff like that, and I had to go in and get them so that I could then process them and shred them but um, they, the, uh, my wife has had to work some rolling shifts doing intake at the clinic she's at and on those days I have said to the boys hey guess what we're going to get in the car and go for a ride and my youngest can't voice any objection to it yet but my oldest says what are we doing I say we're getting out of the house and he says why and I said because I need to see something different
0: yeah we go, to the, we go to the park maybe every other day when the weather is permitting, but the weather has not been permitting.
2: And they haven't shut down the parks in your their-
0: Nope. Some, yeah. parks, some parks have, but um, they encourage us to get out and exercise and stuff here. So uh, we do that. Um, and it's pretty easy in a park to stay away from people, and you don't really have to touch anything,
1: so it's not bad. They encourage that here too, but uh, people couldn't follow the directions. So,
2: yeah, people people here, you're allowed to go out and exercise. So my wife and I are trying to um, do that, like during the week, like during our lunch break. And I just like on the weekends. Just I'm I've been taking my daughter and just going for a walk, like down. I we live not that far away from like the National Mall in DC, so. Mm -hmm. I kind of like walk down there and back, maybe walk about like two, three miles just to, I need to get out and I got (laughs) to, I got to get out of the house. Uh, But people, people have, are getting better about the social distancing, but people aren't really wearing masks. Like they're saying, like it's gotten slightly better, like the last day or two, but still kind of bad. So, well, the one last thing, sorry, the grocery stores here, The mayor has actually uh, mandated, like, you you are not supposed to be allowed into the grocery store unless you have a mask on.
1: Mm. Yeah. Okay.
0: We've been doing doing pickup and delivery services, so we don't really have to go in the grocery store anymore. So that's Mm -hmm. what we've been doing.
1: Well, on that uplifting note, we're glad you all could join us for the podcast this week. Sometimes we just got to get some stuff off our chest. We got to talk about our affiliates first. Our first one is with Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand, Brand CollarAndElbowBrand.com. Use the promo code 4 Podcast. That's the number four, capital C and quarters, capital P and podcast, no spaces. Save 10% off your order. It is some of the most comfortable shirts that I own. And so, um, you know, you look forward to whenever you get them through that wash rotation. You're like, ah, I get my comfy shirt back. Uh... And now, for, I guess, uh, I was listening back on our, our, our last episode today just for some notes, but uh, I think this would be our anniversary of 100 for this particular uh, reference, wouldn't it, Matt?
2: Yeah, we're starting the, the new century of podcast episodes uh, with a shout-out to, of course, the man himself, Epico Cologne. Um Epico is his own essential business. Uh, i I actually uh, i i'm joneson for some some epico matches i would love to see he had he was having a really good run with the title so uh hopefully all this nonsense the pandemic can can end reasonably soon so we can start seeing epico uh doing live shows in front of crowds and everything right uh can i go back to something Yes. Sir. Collar and elbow. They uh, they are still working, folks. Like they, I don't know if they're essential or not, but they're still putting out products. Because uh, they, they have a new, ti- they have a new Tiger King, <laughs> themed yes, shirt.
0: Yeah, Matt sent us that.
2: Yes, they do. <clears throat> yeah, Shad actually sent that a picture of it. It's uh, it's it says like Joe Exotic or something like that, but it's done in the whole um, lion mark that New Japan Pro Wrestling does. It's a really cool shirt. It's like a, I think it's a baseball tee.
0: My uh, wife was watching the new episode that they just released of Tiger King and I noticed that they were practicing social distancing for the follow-up episode. Oh
1: wow. Oh really?
0: Cuz they were it was pretty much like an interview so they were like in different locations and stuff. Good I guess that just released last week maybe.
1: I'm glad they're doing it that way. Um,
0: I did want to so- I did want to give a shout out uh, because they are a lot of services are releasing like modern movies now and we watched Onward I think last week and it was a delightful little romp of a Pixar movie.
1: Was that the one about the uh two trolls?
0: Elves I think, but yes, okay. trolls probably and a manacore. It has Chris Pratt as one of the voices. So it was it was a fun little it was a fun little romp. I wasn't into it at first, but then it kind of got better as it went and I, I liked it I mean I like the Pixar stuff better than the, the straight up Disney movies but I that's the most I've enjoyed something from Pixar slash Disney in a while
1: well, that's great hmm. I'm glad to hear it
0: it would be the first thing that I think I've seen out of Disney in a while that was better than Trolls <laughs> okay I, I'm not a fan of Trolls or anything but my niece and wife watch it a lot and it's a that's an it's a, you know it's it's something that you're not necessarily a fan of, but you're, eh, this is enjoyable enough. It's fine. Yeah. Like, cause with Disney, I just, the stuff that's from straight Disney, I just don't like anymore. Like we watched, I think it was Moana and I did not like that movie other than the rocks part.
1: Hmm. There is, um, a- at some point, if I, if, If in the middle of all this, I get bored enough, I'll I'll on one of our social media platforms, I'll put my uh, too long didn't watch of of Frozen on there.
0: I hated Um, Frozen
1: because it's I did not like it. No, it's frustrating and it's vastly overrated. And 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 just watch, guys, this is going to be what finally sinks us. It's going to get to us. Lots of attention and kill. (laughs) No,
0: my wife and I, my wife and I finally watched it at one point. And we got like halfway through, and I'm just like, "This is not like that good."
1: It's not good. Yeah, there's people that are really hung up on it, and as a dad, you know exactly what I say to them.
0: My problem is tell them to let it go. My problem (laughs) with (laughs) my problem with like the Disney stuff, not the Pixar stuff, because like even like something like Coco was pretty decent, even though it's not my kind of movie. But the problem I have with like the straight ones out of Disney is it feels like they don't. It feels like they don't make a genuine movie anymore. It feels like they test audience every single bit of the movie until there's no personality or flavor in any bit of it, and you get this bland, like, trying to appeal to every single person on the planet. Yeah. And, like, God forbid, like, a single person not like this movie, so we have to take anything that could potentially be enjoyable out of it and make it as paint-by-numbers as possible. That's just a single
1: a single person outside of the target audience. Yeah, I feel like we, that should be clarified is. Yeah, if you're in the target audience, if you're not in the target audience, they don't care.
0: Yeah, but it just feels like everything, everything has to be test audience. Oh, well, you know, we can't do anything interesting because that, you know, they might not like that. We have to play it super safe. And just make it as paint by numbers as possible. That's my problem no. with like modern Disney.
1: I can't say as I blame you. Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> well, we we've had some we've had some episodes where it takes us a minute to get the ball rolling, <laughs> doesn't it? I'm sorry.
0: That's I've okay. been. I'm sorry. I. I. It's it's a little hard to be on the ball with these new ones because I'm cooped up all week and like my. My real social interaction outside of co-workers and family is you guys, so... Yeah, I'm a I little, understand. I'm a little cagey, and I'm also, <clears throat> for like the first time in years, I'm not sleep-deprived, so I'm, I'm a little cagey and energetic, which makes me go I, off on
1: weird tangents. That's okay. Uh, I'll stay exhausted and punchy for both of us.
2: See, I, I wish I had that problem, because my wife has very much embrace the 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 quote unquote virtual happy hour or virtual hangout so it's it's like every day there's like a zoom meeting <laughs> or there's a i don't know if you've you've heard of the house party app but it's like it's kind of like facetime but you can add multiple people at once uh you can play games using the app it's it's just all of these like essentially video chats that we've been doing with people mm-hmm. and that I, sounds
0: sh- exhausting
2: I just want them to <laughs> i <laughs> I look, i'm I'm a very friendly person uh, if if any of our podcast listener friends uh, meet me in in if we ever can go back to actually meeting people or going to yeah, like wrestling right. conventions or shows um you'll find that I'm a very friendly person uh, I'm I'm not I'm a, an I'm introvert really but I'm like an extroverted introvert I just find these hangouts exhausting like i i can do like one or two a week but more than that i just start like going insane
0: yeah well it's it's, my problem with them is especially like for the social stuff like i'm i'm cool talking to people and stuff but there's a point where it's just like like well i gotta pee like how do i like how do i like Put my computer down or move without them Seeing like the mess on the floor Like next to my computer or Do I just turn my camera off Like I don't know I get Fidgety you type, after
1: You type BRB bio In the chat window <laughs> and I then. just get
0: I get fidgety after four minutes Then I have to like make sure like my Cause even during the podcast I always have to Have something I can fidget with While we talk yeah. and then I have to mm. like I have to strategically like position myself so they can't see my like fidget pen or like my fidget paper clip that I need to like not stare off into space because you know sometimes that that weird like piece of paint on the wall is just interesting when you're talking into like a <laughs> microphone for 45 minutes. Um, I'm probably yeah. revealing way too much about how I podcast right now.
1: <laughs> I'll tell you what, how about we just get Right on into the content because, uh, well, uh, not last week, but the week before when we did the the Haas Fight Tournament, uh, we all really enjoyed that. We got a big kick out of it, and we got to talking and thought we'd like to do more of these. And yeah. So for tonight, that's what we said we were going to do, and I'm going to turn it over to Brad since he is our Bracket Master extraordinaire. And say, Brad, what are we what are we bracketing tonight?
0: So our original idea was cruiserweights, but um, cruiserweights is kind of a loaded loaded division. And I think as we started talking about that, we realized we were going to have to strategize that, and that might have to be a multi episode tournament. Um, huh. Because I can't really. I could really narrow it down to 16 cruiserweights and I think Matt and Shadow would have a similar problem. So I think that's going to have to be like a 32 man tournament, which I don't think we could do in a single show.
1: That would be a stretch. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: You probably, yeah. Cause you, there's so many ways to go with the cruiserweights. Like you have obviously like North American cruiserweights, but then it's like, you could probably throw in Like Lucha could almost be its own category. And then yeah. you have, you have cruiserweights, obviously, from, or or juniors, as they say, from, like, Japan. Yeah. You know? There's so many people. And, uh, like, historical of all time. and He has, and, like, a lot of ground to cover.
0: And, like, guys, like, I feel like guys like Sunjay Dutt and Loki deserve to be in there. Uh, and I feel like in a 16-man tournament, like, I'm going to, like, a guy like Sunjay's is going to get cut. But I feel like he deserves conversation.
1: Oh, we could cut Loki. I'd be fine with that. That'd be.
0: But I mean, uh, but I mean, like Loki was like a staple. Like he was like the indie guy for like a couple years. He had exposure in national promotions, and you know, it's just those are guys that are like that need to be in there, but like would be hard to configure into a sixteen-man tournament.
1: I would still be okay with it. I know,
0: <laughs> and even someone like Blitzkrieg, I think deserves.
1: His day oh, yeah. in court,
0: despite the fact that he he had such a short time period.
1: Yeah, and there's a lot of impress, really impressive guys that would fit in the cruiserweight category.
0: Even like Huvy, I think should be in there, but he would, I think he would find it hard to break like a 16 man tournament.
1: Yeah, I, I think you're right. I would I would agree with that. Yeah. So there's it, suffice to say. That is a stacked conversation. yeah. And so we're going to spread that out a little bit. Um, but we are, are going to have another division. And so what is this one going to be, Brad?
0: So we went with tag teams on a whim. Now, obviously, tag teams, it's a 16-team tournament. Obviously, we're going to have a big honorable mention list. But this one actually worked out when we listed teams out because we kind of got... We kind of got a good spread across several eras, even with some modern teams in there, and we are really happy with how it turned out. So, uh-huh. um, there there are going to be some obvious, you know, teams not in here, but you know that's going to happen with any tournament. But it yeah. was kind of it was kind of comfortable because with t- tag teams you can really pull. Like teams that exemplify their era of wrestling, yeah. So that's kind of what we did. So it's a 16-team tournament. Uh, Matt and Shad were given the bra- the early brackets beforehand, but so for tonight, our first round matchups are the Hart Foundation versus the Young Bucks, the Midnight Express versus the Fantastics, Aaron Anderson and Tully Blanchard versus the Steiner Brothers. The Dudley Boys vs. the Fabulous Freebirds, Rock and Roll Express versus the British Bulldogs, The Nasty Boys versus the Hardy Boys, Harlem Heat vs. Edge and Christian, and The New Day versus the Road Warriors.
1: Okay. Now, Brad, just out of curiosity, how did you end up matching these guys up?
0: Uh,
1: did you throw them in a hat? Did you... Whoa. What was your what was your matchup criteria?
0: I really placed like what I figured I felt were the favorites to try and not have them collide until later. Okay. So like I tried to have the Rock and Roll Express and the Midnight Express in a different, bra- <laughs> you know, different sides. Like I tried to place yeah. like cuz the Road Warriors and the Rock and Roll Express are on the same side, so I spaced them out to be far enough apart. So mm-hmm. I tried to strategically place those the teams I thought would get far to get further. And then I tried to fill in the other teams that I didn't think would get as far. And then when I started kind of getting those spread out, I also put teams together that I thought would be an interesting conversation.
1: Okay.
0: So something Fair like enough. So something like the Nasty Boys versus the Hardy Boys, that kind of just happened because like, well, that one's interesting. I'll just put that together. Or even like the Hart Foundation versus the Young Bucks, I was like, eh, that should be... I think interesting. I didn't do anything to okay. play favorites because like last time some weird things <laughs> happened. So, um, I just kind of, I just kind of, I put it where I thought things would play out so that teams would like, I didn't want the rock and roll express and the midnight express to meet in the first round or the second round, because that's really, yeah, that's really dumb. So I, I kind of went by what I thought the top four were and placing them. And then I would kind of go from there.
1: Basically we're angling for more interesting conversation.
0: Yeah. And I didn't, like I
1: said,
0: I kind of went with what I thought were the top four teams. I spread those out and then I kind of just went down my list. I'm like, okay, well I'll put this team here. Like what would be a good matchup for them? This is past the top four. And I'm like, okay. And then I kind of just went from there. And then, okay, unfortunately, for the poor New Day, I, um, they were the last team to go in, and I kind of was like, oh, well, I kind of totally hosed them with the Road Warriors matchup, but it just kind of was the unfortunate luck of the draw.
1: Well, we'll, uh, we'll get to them. Um, what, the first match we were going to talk about, I think you said, was the Heart Foundation versus the Bucks. Is that correct?
0: Yes, the Heart Foundation <clears throat> versus the Bucks.
1: All right, so Matt, I'm actually I would actually like to toss the ball to you to start, and see what you think.
2: So, I really like this tournament overall. Uh, I don't think I, I forgot to mention it the the Haas tournament, but I I would also sim this tournament on uh, Fire Pro Wrestling <laughs> if I had all these <laughs> yeah. guys, like creator wrestlers. Uh, because that was the beauty about the Fire Pro. You could just cr- create all these different wrestlers from different eras and have them fight against each other. The Hearts are like arguably the best... probably the, They're probably the best WWF slash WWE tag team from like the 80s.
0: I would agree with that.
2: And they had so many good matches with a lot of different teams, but they were also... It's difficult because they also were, they had a limited number of teams. Like the tag team wrestling from like the late 80s in the WWE, then it was the WWF, was really fantastic. And they had great matches with a lot of different companies, but there was also like a limited universe of people. Whereas the Bucks have been around for a few years and have had, they've been putting on killer matches with people all over the indie scene and all throughout Japan. And now, well, Ring of Honor as well. And also now, in aew uh they i think their style lends itself to doing more they're a little flashier they can do more acrobatic stuff than obviously the heart foundation did how Hart foundation was more you had the technical worker in brett and then the powerhouse with Nightheart. and i think i think we've mentioned on the on the podcast before but Nightheart actually was like an underrated worker like he was actually a really good big man he was a great tag team worker and he had a lot more like Charisma and ability to talk than people give him credit for. Well,
0: if if you go back and watch, like, the. Like, if you go back, like, so let's say you decide you want to watch, like, Superstars and Wrestling Challenge from the start. That, like, 86, 87 time frame with the Hearts, if you really want to talk to people doing the talking, uh, Jim Neidhart does a lot more talking than Bret Hart does.
1: Yeah. Would it be safe to say that Jim had a higher floor but Brett had a higher ceiling whenever it comes to the talking aspect of the
0: I don't like feel like Brett was started ever out better. I don't feel like Brett was ever a really great talker. He kind of became a confident talker, but I never felt like he was a compelling mic guy.
1: Okay. It just seemed to me that so much of like his is uh, later wwf run was was predicated around his mic work like you his mic work set up his ring work and so he had to have good mic work but I, i'm gonna be honest with you it was one of those that's, yeah it, it's fine jim's but got I'm some one of those that didn't grab me the same way
0: jim's got some personality he's got kind of like a frantic delivery and you know he can throw some pop culture stuff in there so I, I find him a little more compelling on the microphone. And I think in the okay. heart foundation, he and Jimmy played off of each other a little better, but I also think okay. he had dealt with Jimmy Hart and like Memphis and stuff. Um, oh,
1: okay, yeah.
0: I also think the thing I have to take into consideration though is, well, I think the Hart foundation was good. I think they were hampered by what the WWF was when they were a team, which is, oh yeah, we might put them in there with a good, a good tag team, but you know, we have to do our nonsense angle stuff. So a potentially good match is going to get ruined because this is the eighties and, you know, the quality of the match isn't always the important part.
1: And, and we've got to rush through it in order to get to the other thing we're wanting to do.
0: Yeah. Now for, for what, the other thing I think we have to consider too is, um, and I think this, I think people might have an issue with this, but I think you also have to give the Bucks some credits for, they um they were enough of a draw in an era where there are few draws that they were able to start their own promotion on a national stage
1: yeah yeah well they were i'm going to i'm going to say that they were a big part of it they were not the sole part but they were a big part of it
0: i would argue that they were that the bucks are the foundation because of their of their acumen for merchandising and t-shirts <laughs>
2: Okay, and like and kind of promotion on social media and other yeah. venues.
0: Because like they're, they 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 really the impetus for like the Bullet Club stuff getting so big, and I think um, I think if the Bullet Club stuff hadn't have gotten so big, and they hadn't have been doing such good business on T-shirts, that they would have never gotten the idea to do AEW. Like I think Omega uh-huh. and Cody were big parts of it, and Cody's definitely a big part of the business section of it. But I think the Bucks are, if you take, if, if the Bucks hadn't have had the, the success that they had, AEW would never have happened or been like okay. a viable thing.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. <clears throat> um,
2: yeah, I agree with all of that. Uh, and that's ultimately why I would actually choose the Bucks.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I'm. <laughs> it's really close for me, but I, I think I'm with Matt on that and I would take the Bucks based on, so... My criteria for this is, and Matt, Matt actually used, we were talking about this pre-show, but Matt was talking about the, the concept of the classical tag team. Mm-hmm. And so, um, to me, the classical tag team is they dress alike, they've been a team for a long time, and they have a very well-developed rapport of moves with each other, which I think both, yes. both teams here have that. Um, mm-hmm. but I think the Bucks for their historical significance, even though it's still going on right now, like AEW is going to be, be something important historically.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you're not going to be able to talk about this decade of wrestling without talking about the young Bucks. So um, you can kind of talk about the eighties and talk about a lot of tag teams and never bring up the heart foundation, so um, based on quality of work and historical significance and classical tag team factor, which um, Matt can dig into that more, too, if he wants to. I'm going to pick the Bucks and go with Matt.
2: Yeah, I I agree. And, and you hit upon something with the Hart Foundation. I prefaced all about how good they were and how they had a lot of good matches just because I, I almost feel guilty not choosing them. But you you highlighted something it's like they, they kind of were limited with what they had to work with it's kind of what I was getting at like there there were some really good tag teams beyond them like you had the British Bulldogs you even had like teams like Strike Force and stuff like that uh, I, I'm i a softie for demolition too and you had like the brain busters there towards like the very late end of, of the 80s but I mean they had the Rougeos well I could just start naming yeah. <laughs> like 1980s tag teams But they also were kind of limited, like you said, sometimes with gimmicky stuff or what have you, with with what the storyline required. But uh, the Bucks, I just feel overall, you—that's an excellent point that you've made. That you really can't once this, when the the last, uh, when this chapter of kind of the wrestling history is written, like the the elite overall will have a really big chapter. I mean, again, they were so successful on the scene. That they were literally able to form their own company and not just like a, a small independent promotion. Uh, form a company that is, has national television deals. So, that's a great point. I, that's why I have to go with the Bucks. But that's a this was a great matchup. Uh, you it's guys a really were... strong matchup, like a tough one.
0: Yeah, it was like this is <laughs> this would out of the first round matchups. This was like the. This was the most nail-biting one that I really had to think about because I was like, I was like, my first, your first instinct is just like, oh, Heart Foundation, and then you really start breaking it down in your head, and then you're like, well, no, I have to take this to the Bucks. You know, the Bucks have this on them. Now, I do, I do have a question for both of you before we get to Shaq. Uh-huh. So, when we talk about what a classical tag team is, do you guys think that dressing? when similar attire should be a factor in being a classical tag team?
2: I don't think it is 100% mandatory, but I would absolutely agree that it does help to me. I... Cause to me, that makes like you're like a legit tag team. And that's, cause that's something that I thought about. Cause there, there are plenty of tag teams that we could put on this list that are essentially like thrown together tag teams but worked in a weird way like Booker T and Goldust was a great tag team they didn't have yeah, like a true. long didn't have like a long run per se they certainly didn't have a long run as you know hard foundation or the young bucks but they uh, they were kind of like thrown together but they they were a great tag team they worked but they obviously like didn't i don't think that they dressed alike. like
1: no
2: maybe they did maybe they did for like a brief period
1: but similar, I mean, like, they, they might have as a joke at one point they were t- the, their <laughs> team dynamic
0: and yeah. i think i think the interesting thing about um book dust though is that they were two classical tag workers true and yeah. bef- at some point in their career
1: yes so what i was gonna say is that uh, i feel like that the the similar ring gear thing is indicative but it's not um it's not really striking at the heart of what i'm looking for <clears throat> in that the heart of it uh, of what we're really talking about is the idea of it's a collective identity right like and and dressing a is it goes a long way towards that but does the team have an identity as a team or is it these two guys tagging together so, you know, you mentioned Book Dust as as an example of that already. Like they they had kind of an identity as a team together because they played off of each other very very well. Like, you know, they they knew how to how to work together and and, you know, put on a put on a good show. Great. But <clears throat> just dressing together ain't going to do it because if that was the case, the dynamic dudes would not have run into as much friction as they did. So it's like a – I'm going to say that there it's important that there's this collective uh, identity that, that the two guys go together that goes beyond it. Like dressing alike is, is helpful, but I don't think it's mandatory if I'm making sense. No, I, no. I agree with that.
0: It's an element yeah. – that um but it's it's something i think i think it's something that most great tag teams have
1: it's an easy way to do it it's an easy way to have that kind of um that i that collective identity thing and there's nothing wrong with that great if it works it works do it but um it's it's uh it's kind of shorthand to getting there um now, as for this matchup, you guys were talking about how tough it was for you. I'm going to be real honest with you. It was not real tough for me because the Hart Foundation never really hooked me in. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's it's because when I got started watching, I was so used to seeing, you know, Brett as the out front guy and um, the, uh, you know, all, all the, you know, I, I started watching by looking backwards towards this era as opposed to um, you know, seeing it fresh and new. But uh, they're good, don't get me wrong, but it you it, it just and the other thing that bugs me is you guys had mentioned that the time frame that they worked in, W uh, W F of this era was not um Whenever I go and watch it back, it feels to me like tag team stuff is an afterthought. Like, these guys aren't doing anything. Let's put them together and make them a team. It'll be fine. And that that, that aggravates me because I love tag team wrestling. Tag team wrestling, I feel like, has... It can reach higher highs than singles matches can because you've got so many more tools to work with. And it can be so engaging and you know, so much more creative. There's so much potential in there and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I'm uh, the Heart Foundation just didn't really do it for me.
0: You kind of so. watch old Heart Foundation stuff when you watch like a bunch of old WWE TV and you're just like, Man, like, if only they could just cut loose and like really do what they can do, this they would be so
1: much better. Yeah, that is true but it then i also have to to temper that with they could i think whereas in comparison i don't have i don't do that with the bucks because it's not an they could i think it's they can i've seen them do it yeah so that this this actually was not very close for me
0: I think it's a. I think it's a case of a team that has total creative freedom versus a team that was very constrained for most of their career.
1: That's probably a fair. That's probably fair. So the Bucks advance.
0: Yes. So up next we have. Sweet, sweet. We have the Midnight Express versus the Fantastics. God, I
1: just. I can't, it's, it, it, for me, I'm just going to say midnights. Like I know the fan tag. Hell, I worked shows with, uh, with, with, with Bobby, right? It, I'm, I'm thinking of it. This That's one's, right.
0: this one's an easy pick of the midnights for me, but I have to say the fantastic are, yeah. are a truly, truly underappreciated eighties tag team. Yeah,
2: they absolutely are. They're almost, I would say like forgotten in the conversation. And Which they is a
1: crying so, shame.
2: Yeah, they were so good. You know, in, in this is kind of maybe an unfair thing to say, but really, like in a world if like the Rock and Roll Express never existed, like people would be remembering the Fantastics probably as yeah. more, well, far yeah, more than they do now. That's <laughs> fair.
0: If you if you want to if you want to have your mind blown because it's a match from 1988, pull up Clash of the Champions one with yep. um the Midnight Express for the Fantastics, and it is just an out-of-control brawl that they use a table in. Yeah. And it is it is an off-the-charts,
1: just great brawl. See, like I said, I, I've worked shows with Bobby Fulton, who is a great human being, right? He is one of the, like, uh, and I'm not going to say there's been a lot, but if... But of all the pros I've met, he has been like just sheer class. One of the best people, right? Like just like one of the one of the greatest folks. And it it pains me to do that. But then again, on the other hand, it's the Midnight Express, right? Like, it's I. What am I supposed to do here? It's because it's the Midnight Express. I. I mean.
0: And we'll talk more about them because they're going to be in future matchups. But but it, it still tickles me that their um, birthday party in Mid-South. Oh. <laughs> and um, the rock and roll sneak up on Jim Cornette and shove his face in the cake. Just that kind of... They're just... And I used to love it. I know Matt. Matt's seen this stuff. But just watching um, the Midnights find like new ways to destroy some jobber on tv in like the mid 80s and... oh yeah and yeah, I think a lot Cord-
2: of poor a lot of poor jobbers died on uh <laughs> on <Crockett> promotions.
0: <laughs> what do like, like Cornette was just like oh yeah they would just come up like bobby would just come up with a new move every week
1: yeah um they were just so good and i love hearing the stories about them the uh i think it was whenever they they worked a match with brian pillman like I can't remember who Pillman was teaming with because I remember hearing this story, but apparently like they'd been together so long, they didn't even talk. Sometimes they just had hand signals for stuff. And Brian Pillman's statement was, it was like working with a bunch of aircraft, air traffic controllers. Cause they just had hand signals for everything and nobody else knew what the hell was going on. So, I mean, and they were so good and so smooth and you would put them together and they would get, they, they, One of the biggest things as a heel tag team is they knew whenever to put their foot, put the the pedal to the floor, and whenever to back up, and they did so good at that. Like, uh, what was it? Um, was it a Great American Bash or something? That it was the the Midnight's <sighs> versus the Wild-eyed Southern Boys in Baltimore.
0: Oh, that match is so good.
1: And now here's the thing. That was in Baltimore, and one of the teams was the Wild Eyed Southern Boys with the Confederate flag on their tights. You would figure that the crowd would have just crapped on it. But no, it was, these guys were so good that they drew everybody in, and that crowd was so. The crowd was behind the Wild Eyed Southern Boys in this demographic that you know that just speaks volumes to how good they were and they had this they didn't have the success just in the territory days they did this for years with so many different opponents in so many different places yeah. and then on the other hand i got to give them credit too because they got thrown off the scaffolding by the road warriors so
0: i think um... you
1: got to give them at least some pity credit for that too
0: also, like Jim Cornette, I always love hearing him talk about their time in Mid South just because every show sounded like a fight for their life. But yeah. my favorite is he talks about how they fled some show and this truck full of like guys came up like on them on the freeway. And he uh-huh. says, Dennis Condry like reached under his chair and pulled out the biggest gun he's ever seen and started like brandishing it. And they fought, fi- the people finally like backed off.
1: Yeah, I know exactly which story you're talking about. I can hear it in my head. He reached under his seat and pulled out the biggest GD machine pistol I've ever seen in my life and points it at him, and you can hear the tire squeal from the other cars stopping. But the fact that they thought they had to do that, I mean, there's a certain amount of, you know, it's still real to me in there, but on the other hand, you, you got to have some talent to get people that mad at you.
0: Well, he said, like, He said, um, I think it was Mid-South, it might have been Dallas. He said, like, you had to, the cops had to stand, you had to stand a certain distance from the cops because the people, if you stood too close to the cops, the people would reach between them and stab you.
1: Yeah, that was Mid-South. We talked about this one, I don't know, 10, 15 episodes back, I think. Yeah. And then I, I told the... This is this is how I remember it because Matt just like you could hear Matt recoil whenever I said this is, whenever the cops walked Skandor Akbar out to the ring, people hated him so much that they took squirt guns and filled them with drano and tried to shoot him in the eyes. That's just insane, isn't it? Just sociopathic behavior. I know, right? But that's you know you got to consider they they didn't just do that in mid south. They did that everywhere, and they had such a body of work against so many different opponents. Yeah. So yeah, I gotta give it to the Midnight. Like, God love him. I love Bobby Fulton. The Fantastics were great, but this this was a sacrificial lamb, wasn't it?
0: Uh yeah. Unfortunately, they deserved yeah. to be in the tournament, but they were gonna. I I they were kind of gonna get sacrificed at some point. Yeah. And the and the next the next matchup has a sad I think a sad set of sacrificial lambs.
1: Yeah, which, it totally does.
0: Uh Matt, were you gonna go midnights or did we did you vote already?
2: No, I, have, I haven't didn't vote, but I would yeah. also go midnights. Uh quick question though. Uh, which version of the Midnight Express would you go with? Would you go with Eaton Condry or Eaton Lane? So to me, I I I'm, kinda came Go ahead.
0: I'm an Eaton Condry kind of guy, but I know most people prefer the Eaton Lane version.
2: I'm a Lane version guy only because of the stu- most of the Midnight uh, stuff that I've seen was Bobby and and Stan Lane. Not, I haven't seen as much with Dennis Condry, but
1: I'm I'm in the same boat as you, Matt.
2: It doesn't. It almost doesn't matter because either combination were so they're just so good.
1: Yeah, it's it just insane. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so the next one.
0: We have Arne Anderson and Tully Blanchard versus the Steiner Brothers. Um, Arne Anderson and Tully Blanchard was a tough entry because I kind of almost went with Arne and Uli Anderson. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of hard. Like, I figured any version of these teams were. They deserve conversation, like, especially Arne as a tag worker, considering all of his success. But I also realized they were probably going to get sacrificed to a superior team pretty quickly just because they deserve their place, but I also wouldn't necessarily put them over anyone personally.
1: Yeah. Well, it's... They're in there against the Steiners, for God's sake.
0: And so so I kind of picked the Tully version just because they were in the WWF, so that's probably their largest... Level of exposure, and you know, um, they had a good run in, in Crockett right before that, and they did win the WWF Tag Titles too. So
1: now the there's an interesting piece to this that I feel actually I felt kind of dumb whenever I heard this. I Arn has a a pretty good podcast, um, and someone asked him like, you know, wh- where'd the name come from? Because neither one of you guys did a brain buster. You know when you were there, and Arn's like, "Well, oh, it's because we were teamed with Bobby Heenan. He was the brain; we were the busters for his team."
0: And that makes sense. And I was just,
1: and I was just like, I, I, I was, I was driving somewhere for work, listening to it, and when he said that, I sat in my car with my mouth kind of hanging open, going, "No kidding." I
0: didn't like them being called the Brainbusters because I feel like Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard would not have a name for themselves. Well,
1: but I mean, this was this was you know WWF. Everybody had to have I a know catch name too. So.
0: Everyone had to have a stupid like nickname or like a simplified name. I know. I I fucking hate the way WWE names stuff. Always have, yeah. always will. Brad, I'm
2: I'm with you. Uh, I remember. I mean, obviously, like, when I actually, started watching wrestling. It, this they had come and gone, like, because it was years afterwards, because they were only there and for like a year, in like the late '80s, and I didn't start watching wrestling until like the early '90s. So I, this is all predominantly through just like watching old like Coliseum home video tapes that I got from video store. But I didn't like the name. I thought it was kind of corny. And even though I was nowhere near aware of the body of work of of Arn and Tully like i i felt like they were just too like really technical but also like rough dudes mm-hmm. so i was like brain muster's just like a it's a corny ass name like why are these guys calling themselves that <laughs> so i didn't like it but i i kind of understood like every in the wwf at that time you had to have like some sort of hook or gimmick or yeah, you had to I, have
1: a, a yeah. punchy moniker Mm-hmm. That's what I imagined. That's how I imagined Vince would break. Like, you need a you need a good name. You need a punchy moniker. You
0: need something. You're the brain
1: Buster's. he <laughs> ah, he's gonna puke. He's he's gonna puke.
0: <laughs> it's just I just it, the naming conventions. Like, it got slightly better in the Attitude Era into like some of the Ruthless Aggression Era, but like it slowly started. Well, that, I Slipping think that was back. a
1: time. I think that was a time period where people were doing more of the naming of themselves, and so it yeah that it felt better because they're picking stuff that that felt better for them.
2: Okay. I, I, I'm sorry. I so we talked we talked about how we go on tangents. Yeah. My brain just went on a really weird tangent thinking about Vince going Vince being very Vince and yeah. over, his over the top persona. Uh, i i recall if you really want to see vince at his absolute hammiest and just ins it's an insane segment uh, you would not be able to put something like this on television today go back if i'm sure it's probably on youtube or daily motion or whatever it watch the whole like segment where he was having trish stratus oh yeah like uh debase herself really yeah that whole—he is the most over the top you will ever see, Vince.
0: All around like a dog. I was thinking, um, the kiss you my take ass. Take your off. You Take it off now. That's tough to watch now.
1: It's, it's yeah. Watch. It, well, it was tough to watch then for me because I was just like, oh.
0: Yeah that that uh, really that's, that really um I never that never cared much for that.
1: Yeah, and it's just like, wow, this is uh. I'm gonna throw up a little bit in the back of my mouth here.
0: That's really where, um, that's a big reason I sh- I've been telling myself I'm going to watch all of the ECW TV and pay per views just to really like experience it all, and like the the way Heyman like really portrays women is a real turn off. Mm-hmm. Because it's just
1: it it wasn't as much then because I was you know an idiot teenager, but it was still. Kind of uncomfortable for me at that point. It was
0: uncomfortable like, then, but like with ECW now, and I've when I've digested a bunch of it, that and the the unprotected chair shots are just yeah. Oh are, god, are the chair terrible. shots are
1: very I, tough to watch. I just, yeah. yeah, like at the time, it was very much, you like cringe. And you're like, oh god, that's oh, I don't like you know that's rough. But now knowing what it did to people, God bless.
0: Yeah, it's it's tough
1: now. Matt to, to build off your tangent real quick mm-hmm. over the top Vince moment that sticks out in my head is him dancing and singing, get back as the <laughs> as lead in for that one mania. I think it was,
0: I was thinking the kiss my ass club with uh where you had William Regal do it and Regal is putting chapstick on.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was, I think Regal was the only one who ever did it quote unquote willingly in the course of that story. But yeah.
0: Um, there's an interesting segment that's on YouTube If you can find it um, Back I think it's around 80 He was on the Late Late Show with David Letterman Doing like commentary Like in a jokey kind of thing About the first Baby born for New Year's Day oh, God. Like he was at a hospital like narrating it And this was when he was still like the play-by-play guy And I think you can find that on YouTube
1: He's crowding, he's crowding I can... I, oh, God.
0: <laughs> He's wow. got a crown. He's which, got a crown. Which is a segment... I, I. There's another segment from David Letterman I would actually like to review for the show, which is um, Jerry Lawler just smacking the shit out of Andy Kaufman.
1: Because yeah. <laughs> Letterman so freaks out. Okay, well, I'm because, sorry. I know this is fun. Just to go off on, on the really tangent,
0: to... because... Cause Kaufman wanted him to do it and Lawler didn't want to and then they're about to go off the air and Lawler's like wait they're never gonna have me back on he just went like SWAT
1: yeah okay I'm gonna drag us back over and say Steiners because it's the Steiners right like yeah we're, we're all in agreement here
0: yes yeah, and we'll talk
1: we'll talk more about the Steiners yeah yeah, I, yeah. okay yeah I would go with Steiners Okay, Uh, Matt. I was assuming from what you had said that we were we were steinerized. Yeah, but okay.
0: Arn and Tully were a great tag team. Um, There's a lot of quality stuff out there. I think we actually reviewed their match with the Hart Foundation at SummerSlam 1989, like way back around. I think maybe episode like between somewhere between episode 15 and 25, and gave that a good review.
1: I think we did, but I don't remember where in the timeline it was
0: No, it was around like August of like
1: 2018 Okay Like I said, I don't remember where it was, but I know we did do it Yeah So
0: Okay, so up next is an actually, this one's gonna be interesting Because um, these two teams were, I think Kind of iconic heel tag teams for various promotions in their eras the Dudley Boys versus the Fabulous Freebirds.
1: Matt, I'm going to pass the ball to you to start us off, please.
2: <clears throat> so I assume that you're thinking of the Freebird version with um with Terry and Michael Hayes and Buddy, right?
0: Yeah, not the not the shitty WCW versions.
2: Yeah, I. Uh... I will say that in in the whole Attitude Era and shortly thereafter, I enjoyed quite a few Dudley Boy matches. I was probably a fan of them. Um, I probably liked them when they were like in ECW too. Um, that said, I feel as I've grown older, I I really don't like a lot of that stuff. I don't really like a lot of UCW, even though I was into it at the time. Uh, I I'm not really a big fan of the Dudleys. As time progresses,
0: no, so not me either. I I will say, I, I will say mm, though, I can watch them put May Young through tables for hours on end and find it <laughs> hilarious every time. Uh, yeah, and the so I, and the, I basically, the story behind that. One of the times they did that was absolutely hilarious because like they didn't want to do it in May Young's just like, What are you guys pussies or something? <laughs> and she just browbeat them to like put her through the table.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember I saw I watched uh, an excerpt from a shoot interview where Scorpio. They they did F Mary Kill and Scorpio's like, Oh no, I'm down with Mae Young. <laughs> hey, she- yeah, that tough old that tough old lady. am that's who I'm down with. Well I know
0: like... I know um side story about her. I guess in like the forties or fifties she used to like beat up like Johns and like rob them.
1: Pose as a as a prostitute yeah. and beat up the John. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I mentally I cannot process like it, in my head processing the like the 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 concept of the time period and everything and the stones it took to do that just is is just so impressive to me it's it's kind of hard for me to i mean given how tough she was sure but just the fact that that was apparently that she thought that was a fun way to spend a saturday evening
0: and um, uh Just another aside with her in the... the, I think the late 40s, early 50s. She and Mildred Burke actually drew some big houses before Fabulous Moolah came along and ruined uh, women's wrestling for a good 30 years. Yeah. But anyway, um, I'm kind of with Matt on this. Like, um, there's a very confined area where I thought the Dudley boys were really good. And unfortunately... um, a lot of it's hard to watch because of concussion issues. And I I have such a disdain for Bubba Ray as a human being that it really yeah, hampers my enjoyment true. of the product. Devon seems like a cool dude. Um, yeah. But Bubba is just a miserable sack of crap.
1: This is true. Uh, what's going to happen here is that... Um... I am gonna go against all expectations I would like to think because I to to in the interest of fairness the first thing I'm going to say is all the stuff that we saw from um, a lot of the stuff that we saw in ECW it's it, it was it was uncomfortable then and it's really hard to watch now um, was also, encouraged and very much a product of its environment too so we i I feel like if i'm gonna at least try to be fair i've got to say okay a lot of that stuff came from they're trying to get heat and that philly crowd was rough as a cob so there's a whole lot we got you got to do to piss them off and so there's some of that that comes up and the and you know everybody's flinging chair shots around like that and no I don't like it I I don't care for it I don't like seeing it but on the other hand everybody there is doing it so it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to write it off entirely Um, and I like the Dudleys more they I know the the Freebirds pioneered the Freebird rule you know they were, you know, this three-man group that was just, you know, these 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 heels that just were so despised and everything. But for me, the Dudleys felt like a a. It's a way I'm wanting to phrase this. The Dudleys felt to me, and I'm sure people disagree with me, but they felt to me like they were more defining in their time period. You consider like if you go to even even if we just say Dudley's and WWF, they were like defining and instrumental in the the TLC stuff. And in 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 having this tag division go as long as they did and they stay as strong as they were in it and over the years and that sort of thing I got to give them the nod. I know you guys have already picked against them, but I, I got to give the Dudleys the nod as I think a better tag team.
2: Hmm. That's a, that's fair. I, I guess, I guess an argument could be made that uh, due to the, the impact they had, maybe in in their era, mm-hmm. and they did have more longevity overall mm-hmm. than the Freebirds did. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can make the argument that it should be the Deadlies. I think I'm still going to go with Freebirds, uh, partly based on <laughs> my my dislike for the Deadly, at least like uh, For Bubba. For, for Bubba, and again, like I, I don't feel I don't feel like the Dudley stuff has held up as well.
1: Yeah, uh, I can- I can't argue that, you know, Bubba Ray Dudley seems like a rather miserable human being.
0: And I know, that's I know that's a weird, weird, I I know that's a weird, um, knit to pick, considering we're talking about Michael Hayes there, but I feel like Michael <laughs> Hayes has the good judgment to not be on social media.
1: If social media had been around at the time, he totally would have been.
0: Yeah, but at least, at least with Michael Hayes, he would have been drunk for most of it, so... Um,
1: I don't know that I can chalk that up as as excusing when I'm sure we would have heard out of it.
0: No, but I mean, I I still I mean, at least it's at least you could just say, oh, well, he's an alcoholic versus he's just a
1: miserable human being. Well, you know, for a heel that works. Yeah. Uh, it's, again, it, it's one of those things. It's yeah, I, I, I. Well, you know what would, you
0: know what they said about the Freebirds in the '80s is most people just crank their personality up, but the Freebirds had to crank their personalities down a little bit.
1: Yeah, it, it's like I, you know what? I'd like to hang out and shoot the breeze with Devon for a while. I don't think I'd want to be in the same room as Bubba, but I can re, I can respect uh, the the fact of of how good. Bubba was as a tag guy, right? And all that sort of stuff, so that's I I know I'm on the losing side of it, but I I want to give it to the Dudleys.
0: I, I would say this one for me is was a close one. It really came down to preference for me. Okay. Like I think you I think you make valid I think your arguments are more than valid and are mm-hmm. probably true, but for me it really comes down to just preference of angles that they were involved with. And like, I think, um, I think they both kind of did exemplify their eras. So you can kind of go with the team that you enjoyed more.
1: Well, I mean, that's this whole thing is subjective anyway. So, Uh,
0: you know, I I would disagree with that in some cases Um, with some matchups more than anything. Like I feel like the last one, like the midnight express, In the Fantastics, I don't feel like that's subjective. I feel like pretty much, if you're not picking the Midnight Express, like, what are you doing?
1: Well, there are some people who, and I'm sure this happened, there are some people who adored the Fantastics. And so they would pick the Fantastics with a gun to their head. It wouldn't matter.
0: And I like like to feel like I'm also, I also have like a certain criteria in my head that I pick these teams that aren't totally preference-based. Such as like, I think we we've kind of touched on it a bit. It's kind of like the Haas tournament, where yeah. there came there became there came some picks that someone might go, oh well, that's a weird pick. Why did you do that? And you would be able to you would be able to say, well, we went by this criteria. Yeah, and I feel like that's the way it is with tag teams. Whereas like so like a matchup like this really does kind of come down to preference because I think the criteria. For both teams kind of is about the same.
1: Yeah. Okay. I can roll with that. I, I just. I don't know. It, it, it's it's just one of those. I, I look at it and I'm like. Mm, I'm going against the grain. But fair enough. So the free birds advance. Who we got next? We have the
0: Rock and Roll Express versus the British Bulldogs.
2: <clears throat> this, is a, this is a really interesting matchup.
0: I think it's. For me it's a very cut and dry matchup But it's interesting nonetheless um, So I will start this off um, I like to I like to I like to sum up the Rock and Roll Express With a Chris Jericho story Where he talks about these These hillbillies <laughs> gave him and Lance Storm Like this video That they made At a Smoky Mountain show And they watched it And it's these hillbillies doing this weird stuff and he said on their, like, barn, they had a picture of Jesus. And above the barn, just to show how important it was, there was a picture of the Rock and Roll Express. <laughs> <laughs> and they talked about how they used to merchandise, where they would just take blankets and tear a part of it off and char- sign it and charge 20 bucks because, you know... they it's were rock
1: and roll headbands. Yeah. Yep. So, um, They were, like, the proto-bucks. Yeah. In terms of merchandising.
0: So I feel like I feel like who am I to argue with a tag team that get their picture put above Jesus is pretty much what I'm saying.
1: <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, Matt.
2: Uh, I, I also am going to go with the Rock and Roll Express. Uh, there, look, as we talked about with some of our uh, NWA power, uh, episodes, watchings from from last year, like they are still out there and they're still uh, maybe not putting on the matches that they, obviously they did thirty plus years ago, but they're still kind of in the mix and having at least compelling matches nowadays. I mean, they had they matched with like LAX in the last like six months that or last year at least that were fascinating. Like they had a kind of a, a mini career resurgence. Uh, they're still kind of you still talk about the Rock and Roll Express and they have a lot of like classic matches They're we'll see how far they go in this tournament they're arguably one of the best tag teams of all time certainly one of the greatest in, of their era and, and, I would, uh, and
0: I would argue just to add <clears> to <throat> what you say I would argue that Ricky Morton is an all time all time elite worker
1: uh, yeah I'll agree when they name a trope after you you know that that you've done something right.
2: Yep, I'll go with I'll go with rock and roll. I mean, British Bulldogs were really, really, really good, uh, but they almost kind of fall into that heart Foundation uh, trap where it's like they were. At least when they're in their WWF run, they were kind of limited, and then that at that point, Dynamite got hurt and it kind of all went downhill. They did have. They did work obviously in like Japan and uh, Canada. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I you gotta go with rock and roll.
0: And a relatively I'd say a relatively short peak for the Bulldogs as a team. Yeah. So I think that hurts them too.
1: And I also yeah, I'd think
0: agree with that. I also think what hurts the Bulldogs in my eyes is I've seen good Bulldogs matches, but when you say the British Bulldogs you don't get that rush of like a match that like comes to your head. They don't have like that. They don't have that definitive like signature match because like with, Hmm. with a rock and roll express, like some midnight express match probably comes into your head or like a heavenly bodies match.
1: Yeah. So Um, for me, this is, this is rock and roll. Uh, it's, it's, the Bulldogs were, were, were really good, like you said, but uh, touted as, like, of, of their era, like, the best team of their era, or in, in like, top two contention of it. You know, it, it, they're there for a reason. Um, so, and you guys have already listed lots of reasons why, and I'm not going to, you know, retread anything, but I got to go rock and roll.
0: Okay, so up next... Um, This is another interesting one, though I think it's pretty cut and dried for me too. The nasty boys versus the Hardy boys.
2: Why don't I, Chad? You want to go first with this one?
1: Um, yeah, I can do that. The interesting thing about this is that um, we have some guys who who. Alma in a again kind of exemplified like they had a very identifiable style that went with their work. It was it was very much a like you you know you know what you're getting out of a Hardy Boys match, you know what you're getting out of a nasty boys match. That being said, I believe you get more you got more out of a Hardy Boys match and it was a better match out of the Hardys than out of the Nasty Boys.
0: I would agree with that. I would also say um, the Nasty Boys, I think, were a big team of their era, but I also think um, the Hardy Boys really exemplify an era of wrestling to the point Mm -hmm. that I think they I think they were still draw... they, They still draw on the indie scene. I mean, mostly based on the broken Matt Hardy character, but also based on that era that they exemplified to this day.
2: Mm -hmm. I agree with all of those statements. I think there's a much higher upswing over them and they've had, they had far better matches with far greater like variation of opponents. Um, And I kind of kind of forgot about it until now, but I mean, they got, Crazy over mm-hmm. to the point where people kind of forget, but in like the mid two thousands, Jeff was so over that they basically had to put the title on him for
0: well, a they while. Remember, remember that Royal Rumble where he had the, the title match with Orton, and Orton mm-hmm. beat him, and the crowd just died for the rest of the show.
2: Yeah, and Matt Matt was really great for a time period too. They remember he was part of the you guys. Remember the SmackDown Six. Yeah. When they had when they had uh Haman booking
1: was that Hardy version yeah. one yeah yeah he
2: was legit one of the absolute best workers in the company and I would argue North America at that time like he was just amazing
1: yeah he was doing a lot of really good work in there mm-hmm. um the other thing that I want to put out there as as a uh, plus for the Hardys is the fact that they successfully reinvented themselves and successfully had singles runs as well. Whereas the nasty boys still were wearing that eighties looking spray paint kind of shirt with the hair and the same glasses and like all that, like never really changing and never doing much one without the other. Unless you want to call Brian knobs, almost dying in a WCW hardcore match. Hmm. Um, what
0: about what about theirs their guest starring roles on the hit reality series Hogan Knows Best?
1: <laughs> I I didn't even think Sags was in those. I thought it was just Knobs. It might have just been Knobs. I haven't seen I, I didn't watch
0: that show a ton. I only saw a couple episodes. It was not my favorite.
1: I didn't want to watch it, but I read people post recaps on message boards. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't even know why, but I'm sorry, Matt. I I jumped in to agree with you.
2: Mm -hmm. No, you're fine.
0: I think the reinventing themselves thing is is a really big one because they really – they kind of were not mentioned and then they really – they kind of took over the internet for about six months with like Mm -hmm. the final deletion and all that stuff.
1: Um, I listened to uh, Chris Jericho talk to Matt Hardy on his podcast. I think I mis- mentioned this on, on an episode, but the um, apparently, they were over in Japan whenever the final deletion stuff came out or or some some variation of it. And what they did is like they enjoyed it so much that they kind of took this room and set it up as a little studio. And people are like, hey, you know, we want to come check this out. And they're like, you can, but there's one rule. You have to watch this beginning to end. Like, all the all the stuff going to Final Deletion, he's like, you have to watch all of it beginning to end in one go. You can't just, like, get up and leave or come in in the middle of it. And he said, guys were just blown away by this. By, like, everything they were doing and all the creativity. And I, I, I totally agree. But, um all right, I'm going to quit I'm going to quit jumping in to agree with with Matt so he can finish his thoughts.
2: I know, I pretty much I agree.
1: Okay.
2: The final deletion stuff was pretty amazing because I wasn't really like actively following Impact mm-hmm. and I some I'm sure like some of our mutual friends were like, "Oh, no, you need to check this out." And I watched it and I was just like I I was stunned. I'm like, "I don't know what the hell <laughs> I'm watching." <laughs> no, you know I I'm all in on this, and it let's be realistic. Like this, to, to kind of bring it to like the, what's happening in the modern times. Uh, yeah, of course, thanks to the pandemic, like things have gotten kind of weird. You're having to do things a little differently with Mania and other uh, other ways of filming the actual shows. But the whole cinematic approach that they took with the Boneyard match between AJ Styles and Taker at Mania, mm-hmm. and I guess also like the fire. Fly funhouse match. Uh, and the
0: gargano Champa
2: yeah, match. Yeah. Let alone, of course, what they actually have been doing lately with AEW and Matt Hardy. Like, all of that was basically inspired by stuff Matt Hardy did. Now, yeah. he's not the only one. Obviously, like Lucha Underground kind of took like that same concept and, and went with it by making it more like you're actually watching a movie or a TV show and kind of t- stretching uh, believability to. Uh, where it's it's far more like actual fiction that you're watching than right. the k- semi-fiction you're watching. But uh, I think he he kind of did leave a mark.
0: Well, I think what he did, what I think what's interesting about what he did with a broken character, is he took Johnny Waisu's character. I probably pr- mispronounced that character from The Room, and was like, well, this I like this, so I'm gonna make I'm going to do this character, but write it as a not incompetent idiot. Tommy was so yeah.
1: Oh yeah. To, well, to, to take here's the thing: broken Matt Hardy is like kind of aware that he's crazy. He's kind of aware that he is he's round the bend, or um, I, I guess the the lore is that he's possessed by different different past versions of himself, right? Yeah. Whereas Tommy was so thought he was making a serious drama. Which turns out to be a comedic masterpiece that he now claims, Oh no, that was my intent the whole time.
0: Which it wasn't, but you know.
1: No, not even remotely. But um you you get this like Matt's like even built up this whole mythology behind it, so everything is internally consistent.
0: Well and if he you has you know the lore. And like he has internally consistent characters like Senor Benjamin.
1: Yeah. Like there, there's, there's a reason for all of this regardless
0: and there's even like easter eggs like that goes into the WWE which they never did the character well but like the lawnmower reappearing for his match yeah. with Bray Wyatt like if you watch like the first video he's like riding it doing like the Hardy Boy pose as he's like driving across the front lawn like stuff like that are the little details that make the the, the deletion saga is so interesting
1: well it's not it's 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 fun references to pick up and see and then it's like enjoying the the over the top goofy aspect of it and then how wild it can be and then the like the first time I watched I think Final Deletion and he goes running up and goes look a dilapidated boat and then dives behind it <clears throat> I cracked up because it's like who in the hell uses the word dilapidated anymore? And then he came back at the end and named the stupid thing, which just, I mean, he, nothing seems to be off limits to him, but it works. Exactly. And and he, he like, dragged Jeff kicking and screaming into doing it, and then all of a sudden Jeff got it. And was like, oh wow, this is like way easier. And he's like, I've been trying to get you to do this for years, man. And and yeah, you, you take all of that and you consider all of the knowledge that goes into it with that, and like just the the psychology that has to go into being able to pull that sort of thing off and it still be engaging to a wrestling audience. Man, that's 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 brilliant. And you, you what, what do the Nasty Boys have? It's like, oh, one time they stunned Ken Shamrock in a hotel room.
0: They have that match with McFoley
1: um, and Max Payne. They did, but yeah, I, I'm, uh, you know, I'm talking about otherwise, you know, what, what kind of stories do you bring up about them?
0: Uh, I mean, I would call them a confident tag team through the 90s, but yeah, I agree with your general consensus there. All right. It's kind of like taking an iconic team versus like a very good team.
1: Right.
0: Okay. Up next, we have, a, I, I think this one's going to be an interesting one. Harlem Heat versus Edge and Christian.
2: I want to go first with this one.
0: Okay. Please
1: do.
2: So I've expressed before that I am a fan of Harlem Heat, uh, partly because uh, I like the tag team, but I was also like, a, I'm a big fan of, of Booker T overall. And I think Booker is a, a really great worker. Um, that said, I would go with Edge and Christian here. And I almost don't like doing that because I feel Edge and Christian are are prob even though they're really well known for their connection to each other, I feel like they also kind of had really distinct singles careers after their tag team mm-hmm. at a much higher level.
0: I feel uh, like Christian Can can I can I kind of add to what you're saying though? I feel like I feel sure. like their tag run really let them develop their personalities and make their singles later singles runs a possibility
2: yes I agree they had a they had like a shorter window as a tag team than Harlem Heat did Um and I feel almost again this is this is like with the whole uh, hearts bucks matchup like I, I feel guilty kind of going against the hearts I feel guilty going against Harlem Heat but I'm ultimately choosing Edge and Christian because I just feel like as a combination, they both were better workers. Whereas Booker T and Stevie Ray, like Booker T was the workhorse there. Stevie Ray, he, he, Booker wasn't dragging him. Like he, he was perfectly fine, uh, in the tag team. But overall, I feel like there was a higher upside to both edge and Christian and what eventually like became of their careers than with Stevie Ray. So I got to give the edge to them.
0: So I have to say, um, this one's a difficult one for me cuz I agree with a lot of what you said. I will say Harlem Heat has been the best COVID meme I've seen. What? I think Matt sent it to us. It's the um it's the COVID like and then it's um oh, I don't remember what it is, but it's a picture of of um Booker T like during the infamous Hogan meme. The Info no. interview, and it's like, oh, yeah. COVID, like, we coming oh, for we you. Oh, we coming for you. Yeah.
1: Okay. Which <clears throat> has
0: been my favorite one. Um, mm. So, where where I really struggle with this is I feel like Edge and Christian really have a memorable but short run. But there's, mm. um, there's something that intrinsically real about Harlem Heat, and there's something about their act I like so much. And they served, like, such a perfect, like, purpose in the WCW tag team division. And I feel like even even in, like, the NWO era of Nitro, where a lot of, like, the WCW side teams really kind of took a backseat, I felt like they they still managed to stand out in that era even when it was obvious the steiner brothers were the team that was going to go against the outsiders you kind of had booker and stevie to the side there being like you know like what's this like you know we've had the belts like all these times like way more than the steiners like we should be getting this shot so i'm gonna say i am gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna really put some pressure on Shad here, and I'm actually gonna say, as much as I do enjoy Edge and Christian, my guilt about voting against Harlem Heat is too great here, so I am going to vote for Harlem Heat and go opposite wow. of Matt here. Yeah, but this Ooh, one that's
2: that's that's a lively matchup here. Then. Yeah, because yeah. this was
0: this is they I feel like they're. <laughs> um, They're kind of like the Dudleys in the the Freebird matchup Where they really tick the same boxes Like overall So it's really hard to pick between them for me
1: Okay So I have to admit a few things And then I have to try and parse my answer out Because I'm really torn here
0: Oh can I add one more thing Harlem Heat had better entrance music that also played into-
1: <laughs> And um Absolutely, also- they did.
0: And also, it um, their music was used in a Kids in the Hall skit.
1: Yes. Okay, there's there's another tie-in on their music. Well, on uh, kind of on them. Uh, it ties in with Edge and Christian, too. God, this is so weird. All right, so I've mentioned in the past that even after all these years, I still play League of Legends. Every champion in that game has a dance emote. Well, as it turns out, there is one character that has a dance emote that is, God, there was a dance-off between Christian and Booker T at one point using Booker's music, and so there is a character that is this gigantic... Like, the story is that it was this this dude in this gigantic diving suit that got lowered into the depths and, and grabbed by some sort of eldritch evil, and then he came walking out of the sea looking for who left him behind after an indeterminate period of time, all this kind of stuff. Does Christian's dance from that dance-off? Oh, that's hilarious. And when my brother would play this game with me, he would... I'll find a video and send it to you guys so you can you can laugh about the same thing. But he loved playing this champion, right? Nautilus. He loved playing Nautilus. So just randomly in the middle of the game, whenever there was not we you know we we were either waiting for the game to start and the other team to get on the map, or we're like we're we're hiding in the brush doing an ambush or something. He'd hit the dance emote and then turn on his mic and go na 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 na. na. Na, 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 na. And it, it just cracks me up. Now, all of the stuff I said about Hardy's and Dudley's being being defining of their era, and the fact that the uh, to hear Matt tell it, it was it was the Hardys and Edge and Christian that came up with the TLC concept. and it was, you know, all of that sort of stuff. This is all true. We also have to take into account, as as Brad said, the longevity of the teams, because it felt like the Edge and Christian team was 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 pretty pretty short run uh, comparatively, whereas Harlem Heat was around for a long time. And yeah, you know Booker better than Stevie, but. You had this dynamic of Stevie sets him up and Booker knocks him down kind of thing, uh, so that didn't bother me too much. Um, I mean, that's you—you—you you, you had that with the Dudleys too. You had that with the Hart Foundation. This—I feel like that a lot of stuff that gets tied in with Edge and Christian is not about them as a tag team; it's about them as a comedy duo. So you know the 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 benefit of flash photography and the, the cutting up with Foley backstage and stuff like, like, and then Christian, you know, like Christian's quest to try and win double gold and win the cruiserweight title and things like, like all of that stuff is, is golden TV. But the problem is that for me, it's not, it doesn't make them, a, it makes them great TV act and a great deal, but it doesn't for me feel like that they're a great tag team the same way Harlem Heat is. And I'm parsing this out as I'm saying it out loud. And, you know, you have... Harlem Heat had kind of this raw feeling to it, and, and like Brad said, it's like the Steiners were the ones that were going to step to the Outsiders, but you knew that Harlem Heat was right there behind them. Harlem Heat was always ready to step into that, and they, had, they didn't have the Steiners go against Luger and the Giant. They had Harlem Heat go against Luger and the Giant for... For who got the shot at Hogan and that sort of stuff, and the other side to it's you know, I just for a tag team, I feel like I, I, like on one hand, it's like I, I should go with Edge and Christian. From other things I've said in this about being genre defining and and all that kind of stuff, but on the other hand, Edge and Christian, just their name it was the two guy two singles guys names put together even if they ran together most of the time i feel like god i i got to give it to harlem heat though as a tag team as a a unit where they had a cohesive team identity that was a long journey to get there that
0: was a tough one that might have been i think the yeah. toughest of the first round matches for me
1: I don't know if Matt's sitting there mad or in disbelief. <laughs> oh, sorry, I
2: had I muted myself for a second. I I didn't pick Harlem Heat, but I love that both of you rationed, like reasoned out your arguments. And I'm kind of I'm happy that I lost in a way. <laughs> my 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 pick didn't get chosen. Like I think you guys made great arguments as to why
0: they should advance. Cool. Awesome. Okay, so our final first Hold one. on hold
2: on be- before you go, let's let's just oh. enjoy the song.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh hang on, let me find that dance for you guys. You know, I
2: love this song. Like whenever you heard that, you knew like shit was about to go down.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay, here it is. Here, I, I I got it. I'll I'll message it to you. I'll message it to
0: you. Guys. Okay, so our final first round matchup is The New Day versus the Road Warriors. So, I'm going to take um I'm going to take point on this one. Um I love The New Day. I think they've been probably like the definitive WWE f tag team of the 2010s other than maybe the usos i'm tired of seeing those two teams wrestle though um i do love them i think big e should be a wwe champion um and is very underutilized talent currently i love their i love up up down down xavier is amazing kofi's kofi's been a good addition to the tag team and i think they really brought out the best in him i think they're a great tag team but, I mean, come on, it's the Road Warriors. Probably the biggest and the baddest tag team of the, the 80s. Just two monsters. um, And not the best workers of all time, but probably one of the best tag teams of all time just because of the mystique they built for themselves. Like, when you would hear mm-hmm. Iron Man hit, you just knew someone was in for a beating. Yeah. So I'm going to go with Road Warriors.
1: Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Matt. Yeah,
2: I. It's tough because like we are in this era, so it's hard to kind of get a lot of perspective on what's happening right now because you don't know how it's all going to shake out. But we were kind of talking about this before the podcast. Uh, if you really do think about it, and I haven't until I saw this matchup, like New Day, pretty much is 10, 20 years from now going to be remembered as one of one of the best tag teams or groups of this era and they deserve it. And I think I completely agree with Brad that I think Big E is someone that I don't know. I don't know if in the WWE it'll ever happen, but he is a guy who should be like a main event level star. Like he, he's a good enough worker and he just has insane charisma. I have, I haven't listened to the podcast that they they have done, but from what I have Heard his charisma is just like off the charts coming off of it. He's like funny, he's witty. Uh, and it's like if a guy can do that on a podcast, like he can certainly translate it into being like a main event guy. But that's just kind of like I'm chilling for New Day, but yeah, it's you got to go with Road Warriors here. They were almost like the quintessential, like 80s tag team and still were, you know, a big deal in the 90s. Uh, they had at least two different teams that were basically complete ripoffs of them, like the Powers of Pain and Demolition were both basically ripoffs of the Red Warriors. Uh, I think that kind of that kind of says it all when you have two. You were such a hot act that you had other companies like tripping over themselves to kind of try and replicate that.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. <laughs> All right, I am going to say that you guys are completely right, but I am going to I am going to make the argument for the new day just to just to make to, to have the debate out there. You guys have already talked about some of it about how they're kind of the defining act of of this time period. The other thing I'm I'm going to say though is you, you have this team who first of all they went from from like, you know, being like an afterthought. It's like, no, 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 we can do this. You let us do it and we'll get over. And it's like, yeah, sure, good luck. And then doing it, but doing it so well that, like you said, they've become this defining um, aspect. For God's sakes, these are guys who got pancakes over, right? Like throwing pancakes into the crowd, they got it over. You know,
0: that's that's actually one of the things I don't like about their act is when they introduce the pancakes.
1: Well, but... I can't help but wonder if it was a you know you think we could get it over if we threw pancakes at people, and Big E's like oh yeah we can do that. Um, I can almost hear him saying it. The fact that we have this this team of three guys, who have first of all may somehow managed to stay together in an era where Vince is so ready to break up any team.
0: Well, let's um, let's um let's I want to lay some groundwork for you. A um, a long-time guy that had been a mid-carder and won a lot of belts and was probably well-respected by the fans, a guy that they had criminally misused, and a guy that had been primarily a bodyguard and an icy champion that had showed very little personality up until that point. So right, let's, let's um, let's lay the groundwork of what they were.
1: Yeah, and then what they exploded into in like no time. Because at first they were put together as like this southern gospel choir kind of thing, and, and nobody bought it. And the story is that Xavier went to Vince and's like, look, let us do our own thing. We'll get over. And Vince – like, as the story goes, Vince gave him a deadline. But as soon as they started doing their own stuff, they started getting over. And if you – like, with the road warriors – and I know – um, I'm I'm doing this for the sake of doing it, right? I know that I'm I'm pushing water uphill, and I'm. I'm but the Road Warriors, in a lot of cases, had uh, the, the you could you could pretty much call how the match was going to go. Here come the Road Warriors! They're going to beat the hell out of these guys, and they But the New Day has wrestled against a lot of different people different styles and done it compellingly and interestingly and have used the i thought used the free bird rule in a way that's way more fun to watch than uh other teams that have used the free bird rule so i i'm in this I, i i want to I want to give the New Day like uh, whenever this came up I messaged Brad and I was like I can't believe you did that to the New Day because if they'd gone up against like a bunch of other teams who were on this list they would have advanced.
0: They but- um, I kind of I kind of kept leaving them off and then they kind of got stuck with this matchup. If I had to do it over again um I might have switched them and I I think originally I was going to put them against the Freebirds then I kind of just I kind of just hamstered off and then they got stuck with the road warriors.
1: Well, it's in the, the fact that they have been so over and so, I, uh, it dominant without pissing people off and without being boring. And with, I do feel in, like in a very ADD kind of looking I, environment.
0: I, I will say this, um, and it's my only negative about them. Other than I don't really care for the pancakes thing. I do feel like when they gave them that record-breaking title reign, it got a little dull the last four months of it.
1: Well, I can agree with you on that. I would pose the question is,
0: it's not their uh, fault. You
1: know, Who does that fall to? Right. Booking. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I, God, I I, I know the, the Road Warriors win because they're another like genre defining thing, and you had this phase where everybody wanted to be the Road Warriors. Could you imagine? Why? Could you imagine? Because the Road Warriors were badasses and they kicked the hell out of everything, and everybody wants to feel like that in the ring. And yeah, of course that 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 everybody wants to be like that. That's that's going to be the case. And. You know, everybody and, you know, they're getting ripped off left and right. You can't. But that points out some like demolition did a pretty good job being a road warrior copy. But you, you can't copy New Day. What are you going to how are you going to copy those guys? As soon as you try and do it, they're going to roast you for it.
0: Yeah, but here's the thing, though, with demolition and how they pulled off um, being the road warriors, though. It was Bill Eadie and Barry Darso who were really fucking good.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> but look, I know, I know that, that this is not in an attempt to win. This is just in an attempt to try and give the the new day a, a fair oh, no, shake.
0: They deserve their props. I'm just, I just wanted to point out though that the demolition, though they did pull it off in their own way, like they were, they were the masked superstar who was a main event talent in the territory system, and Barry Darso, who is like a really good worker and a a hell of a golfer
1: (laughs) that's a good
2: callback yeah i love
1: that stupid gimmick so anyway that's that's me like just putting up a defense on a lost cause i know it's a lost cause but I, i i felt like i should try anyway
0: no they but like i put new day on here because they deserved to be in the conversation for their era
1: okay there
0: we go. So I'm gonna I'm gonna snake this around. So we're gonna stick with the Road Warriors. So round two, the Road Warriors versus Harlem Heat. I'm gonna go ahead and take point on this again. Um, <clears throat> you know, same argument. Like I really like Harlem Heat and everything, but Road Warriors are just too historically significant for me. So I'm gonna have to vote the Road Warriors on this.
2: Uh, I will agree with you. Um, I'm pretty sure we probably did see this matchup even uh, in like mid 90s
1: WCW. I
0: think because the Road Warriors came back for a bit in '96, I believe. So I bet this did happen.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's this is one where it's I, as much as I love Harlem Heat, I I can't I can't push push it any further than this. I mean, I made my stand against the Road Warriors once and got squashed. I, this. This is going to be. The you Road
0: learned Warriors. your lesson. We beat you into dis.
1: Yeah, I, 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 I took my licks, and that's 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 where it's going to be. Um, so
0: yeah, Harlem playing. Heat vs. Road Warriors happened on a nitro.
1: Okay, but yeah, it's 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 Road Warriors. Yeah. St-
0: oh, this next one's I- interesting. Uh, Rock and Roll Express versus Hardy Boys. I would actually say a similar styled tag team just in different eras kind of
2: uh, that's not the worst comparison
1: oh god <sighs> see it's it, we're running into the difficulty of um of of being in the time frame for some of these guys again cuz yeah, the rock and roll is still doing stuff, but we can go like you know this was this was their heyday. With the Hardies, there's been a lot that they're sh- even still doing, and I don't know if we've uh, necessarily hit the peak on the broken character. Even
0: I, I think I think we're getting towards the end of it though, just because Matt's
1: yeah Matt's, Matt's about, starting to wear down.
0: Matt's at about the end of his his ring era because he's just his back's so screwed
1: yeah yeah
0: so i think i think my problem here is um the hardys are a bit of a conundrum because they're really when you really think about the hardys it's hard to slice out like their individual stuff which unfortunately for me really bleeds into like the tag team stuff um and i think that's i think that's I think that's going to be true for a lot of people like the final deletion stuff past the first thing, which was Matt versus Jeff still counts because it was the Hardys for the other two, not the WWE thing. So you can still count like some of the broken stuff because a lot of that was tags. Like you have the, the ROH stuff with the young bucks, which was tag team. And they drew a big house with that. Actually that got them back to WWE. But you still have the Rock and Roll Express, which is 1985 and 1986 uh, Jim Crockett promotions. And you have Smoky Mountain Wrestling, um, I would say, which is their peak stuff. Well, no, Mid-South, too. So for me, I mean, really, Rock and Roll Express is probably, like, the best, one of the best tag teams of all time. And, like, their body of work and their drawing ability and historical significance is all there. I think the Hardys have all of that stuff, just to a lesser extent. So for me, based on all the criteria, I would vote Rock and Roll Express.
2: Yeah, I'm agreeing. Like they, they might actually go all the way for me here in this tournament. Like they are just one of the best tag teams of all time they got to get the win here, at least over the Hardy boys.
1: It's one of it's we're in this, this stage where we're looking at, uh, and I think you're, I think it's fair to say looking at um, one of the uh, like really good analogs. Cause you got to consider who, you know, uh, who were the, the screaming fans for the Hardys, the, the same age group that was a screaming fan, it's probably similar group that was the screaming fans for the rock and roll express right yep it kind of kind of had that heartthrob spot and all that kind of stuff
0: cuz it was cause it would when you would when you when you would when, you, when you would you talk about the the tip, the prototypical fan for both you're talking about the the teeny bopper teenage girl of the the mid 80s and the gothy teenage girl of the late 90s for the hardys
1: yeah and um i i i can't we have we have a team you know the hardy standing on shoulders of giants in this case being the rock and roll themselves means i can't put the hardys over the rock and roll because they're they're like a new era rock and roll express so I've got to agree with you guys. It's go, it's rock and roll in this case.
0: Okay, so our next matchup is the Steiner Brothers versus the Fabulous Freebirds. Shad, do you want to take us off on this one?
1: Oh man, I love the Steiner Brothers. They are one they are one of they may be my like all the way like one of, if not my absolute favorite tag teams of all time. Because they have all that stuff we talked about earlier. They had the the you know the uh, the cohesive identity. They had the, um, you know they had the the ring work that just went together, and the fact that they were able to have good singles work as well, it just you know that's just icing on the cake. Um, the you know, the standard bears against the NWO until uh, Rick reinvented himself as Big Papa Pump or Scott reinvented himself as Big Papa Pump. And just man, look, I know the Freebirds did a lot, but you wanna I, there's no way that you could put Michael Hayes standing next to, to Rick Steiner and tell me you're taking Hayes over that and have me buy into it. I'm sorry. It's for me it's the Steiners.
2: I'm going to concur.
0: Yeah, I'm going to agree.
1: The Steiners had a lot
2: of really good matches, not just in, uh, well, they did have that brief like year or two run in the WWE, but they had a a lot of great matches, obviously in WCW, uh, both in the early nineties and later nineties. And just just, like a ton of great matches, like in Japan. Mm -hmm. Uh, You got to go with them. They were so good for a time period. They were like arguably the best tag team in
0: the world. Yeah, I was thinking of that. When you mentioned Japan, I was thinking of that match they had versus Sting and Muda. Oh, yeah. And um the, the match they had with Sting and Luger in WCW. Like, there's just a lot of good stuff. I, I It has to be the Steiners. Like, uh, the Freebirds are really great. I think um they have two huge angles under their belt, which is the, the Von Erich feud and the Junkyard Dog feud. But the Steiner's are just the Steiner's are like the te- one of the teams of the '90s, and I just think that they are slightly better in all those categories. And they did it on like they did it on a national stage instead of a regional stage, which I'm gonna give them a slight edge for. So I'm gonna go with the Steiner's. Mm-hmm. Okay, so our last second round matchup, and this is gonna be a really interesting one because I, I these are actually. I think these teams are analogs of each other as much as Jim Cornette would disagree. The Young Bucks <laughs> versus the Midnight Express.
1: I'll I'll start on this one too, if, if you don't mind. We're looking at um, a uh, we're looking at a a team where you had. Um, again genre defining best in the world you people will, will apply that to both of these guys and I understand why that said the way I was trained the way that I, I worked all that sort of stuff you know I I cribbed liberally from the midnights there's I think there's a picture of me uh, with my tag partner of us doing doing the rocket launcher in one of our matches even. It's... I... Th- like, the Bucks are good, but sometimes they get um, a bit more spotty than I really care for. And... Uh, I, I know some people would, would would kind of crap on that idea. I'm not calling them spot monkeys. I'm saying they get more spotty than I like to see. And so... Um, I... I've just, I've got to give it, I've got to give it to the Midnights here.
0: I'm going back and forth in my head. This one's got really difficult all of a sudden. So I typically agree with what you say, Matt. I would say the Midnights are genre defining. Um, I think, I think tag team wrestling still is highly influenced by things they did they are highly innovative, um, really can't tell the story of tag team wrestling in the 80s without the Midnight Express. On the other token, though, the the Young Bucks, in an era, kind of a stagnant era of wrestling, like they really, when you talk about like the indie boom and like the renaissance of the 2010s, you know, the, the Young Bucks really were kind of at the... the the forefront of that and you know new japan finally getting a foothold in america you know the young bucks kind of had a lot to do with it and um and so i would not have thought i was gonna say this but putting the two against each other i am actually going to take the young bucks here interesting because because here's the thing like wrestling isn't as big now as it was in the 80s But when you talk about all the things that happened that was not WWE related in the 2010s, like all the stuff, almost all of those situations, like the young bucks were, were there and they were a big part of it. Like New Japan, PWG getting big, like indie wrestling, like really getting big, like the memes that came out of wrestling, like things that you could show people, you know, like the super kicking of the 10 year old, like things that that really kind of sparked interest in wrestling. Like they, they really did helm a lot this decade that I don't think gets heralded enough. Like they really were like, when you talk about not in WWE, they might be like top five, biggest act of the decade and probably like top three. So I'm going to, I'm going to actually go against what I would have thought. At any point up until this action, I had to actually think about it. I'm actually going to go to the books here.
2: Interesting.
1: So I just made <clears> it, <throat> it really hard not. for Matt.
2: You <laughs> did. Um,
1: Welcome to the hot seat, man.
2: You know what? I, I'm i going to say going into this, I this matchup, just because of how good they are and how many great matches i've saw i've watched over the years from their uh you know their their dominant era but you know brad's kind of convinced me otherwise just because as i think about it now like it it is a good point and we obviously talked earlier about how the bucks in part are the reason why aew exists and just the fact that they i think you can you can make the case and i don't think it's a hard case to make and i think anyone who disagrees would actually be arguing kind of not not in bad faith but i think they they have a a weaker argument you can make the argument that wrestling to the extent that it's hot right now it's hot in part because of the elite and the bucks specifically because their work on the indie scene which then led to like them getting over with bullet club, which now has led to AEW. Like, I think you can trace that to a lot of what they've done. And I think they've kind of like changed the game with how individual wrestlers nowadays, indie wrestlers mostly have, are kind of promoting themselves on social media and kind of
0: merchandising working, themselves,
2: merchandising themselves, working to get over, um, as characters. I mean, I, I this is like a, a while back and it's the episode of the podcast is months old but I, I listened to an old Jericho episode of Jericho's podcast where he was talking to the the guy who runs Pro Wrestling Tees. And I mean, the guy basically said like the reason why Pro Wrestling Tees blew up and became as popular as it was was because he started putting out like the Bullet Club shirts and those were just like flying off the shelves. Uh, and that kind of like, he basically created a little empire for himself, which a ton of indie workers now benefit from because there's there's t-shirt sh- stores there for all, just about everyone you can think of
0: i mean japan uh, like and, you can get toro yanu stuff on there
2: yeah uh and then i'm just thinking about how it I again try, i'm trying to think what it's going to be like 10 years from now 20 years from now like how the young bucks are going to be remembered and i absolutely think that they are going to be They're going to be, I think, have a much bigger impact overall. But you're you're absolutely going to look at them like you would like the Rock and Roll Express right now, where it's just like, God, they were one of the best tag teams of all time. I think, I think they're. It's still unclear what their overall cult, like in wrestling culture, their their cultural impact will be. But I think it's going to be like huge, just because. They created AEW, and I think AEW has potential to, you know, last and be successful. It just has to get through I say this pandemic. It kind of does. Um, and I say the reason I, I phrase that because if you actually think about it, I mean, we're going on almost 20 years of like TNA, uh, and while TNA has improved like quality wise, like they're not they're not really like a thing anymore, but. Uh, overall i guess my long-winded argument is just that i think the bucks overall is are is gonna have a greater impact so i'm gonna go with bucks i'm gonna go with bucks here
0: well that did not turn out like i thought it was gonna turn out
2: no it didn't
0: i was going all the way going up to that i thought i was gonna pick midnights and i got to it i'm like wait a minute
1: Okay. If I if I wanted to pick a fight, I would say how much of that is due to them being a tag team and how much of it's doing, how much of it's due to them being like really good businessmen. Mm-hmm. But I'm not gonna try and, and and win a fight that I've already lost. The problem
0: is the problem is like I've seen I've seen a metric shitload of great Midnight Express matches and I've seen a metric shitload of great Young Bucks matches. Like to me, like. I have to strip that out because really I think they go almost blow for blow with each other when it comes to just quality of work.
1: Well, we, we, got, uh, we got to make our decisions how we make them. So, yeah,
0: so we're going to snake back around again. Um, so the young bucks are meeting up with the Steiner brothers in, um, our first semifinal, um, Matt, do you want to take us first on this one?
2: uh yeah, I mean after all, I just said about the bucks uh you'd think I would have them advance, but I just think that the the Steiners have kind of left such a impression on on tag teams for like the nineties they were they were arguably like the tag team of the nineties um I'm gonna go Steiners.
1: This is another um, stand on the shoulder of giants moment where it's uh, a lot of what the Bucks have done in Japan. I feel was probably made possible by by you know the kind of stuff that the uh, the Steiners did. So I've got to go Steiners too. Like I said, one of my favorite teams of all time.
0: I'm gonna, Maybe
1: my favorite, if, if I were to really sit down and, and parse it out.
0: I'm going to concur and just go with the Steiners. They really are titans of an era.
1: So, <laughs> we've, we've kind of talked to that, that point to death a bit. So.
0: Well, I mean, I, the problem with this one is, we Matt and I really just like, I feel like we laid the Bucks case out super well. Yeah. And um I feel like we've laid out the Steiner brothers. I feel like the Steiner brothers really don't need a lot said about them. And if you've listened to the last really the last string of couple a couple episodes, they've come up a couple times and I feel like we've hashed out a lot of their case over that time.
1: Mhm.
0: And um yeah, I just think they're they're just like a team of the 90s and I just the Bucks have all that stuff going for them, but I feel like the history of tag teams, the Steiners, are just gonna be a little above them. So I'm going with the Steiners. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh. So we are we are at our last se- we're at our next semifinal, and um, this is the Rock and Roll Express versus the Road Warriors.
1: Man, this is tough.
0: So I'm gonna. I guess I'll go first here. Um, really, just two gigantic teams from the the '80s. Like both of them drew. Um, obviously, Rock and Roll Express had better matches because of who they were. But just, I mean, if you think of tag teams from the '80s, I mean, these are probably, if not the first two, you think of the first three um but here's the here's how i'm gonna break this down um ricky morton is the best of the four just absolutely great worker sells really well they've really everyone (laughs) pretends to be ricky morton when they're a face in peril now just amazing seller but i think where ricky morton also is really good is he is just even now in his older years, he is still an amazing talker.
1: That's true.
0: And like, well, the road warriors, the road warriors just have this, this mystique that I don't think anyone's ever quite recaptured. Even them at times in the WWF, but you could just, you can just see like Ricky Morton talking people into the building. Mm-hmm. And so for me, While both of these teams are great and I think would deserve to win a tournament like this, I'm going to pick the Rock and Roll Express. Based on Ricky Morton.
1: I see what you're saying. I'm not sure I can just rely on that myself. Um... Okay, I'm going to stick my head in for for an old tiebreaker that I used in the Haas thing of comparing highs and lows. Um, because if, if we compare, you know, the, the highs, obviously both of them had huge highs. But if I'm going to be honest and look at the lows that they both had, um... For the rock and roll, it seems like the the biggest low is the is the story from that that giant list that got printed sometime in the early two thousands about all the scuzzy things different people had done. in the story about
0: oh, uh, Robert Gibson with with the one about um, with a
1: glass table oh, and a prostitute and Jimmy Valiant. Um, I don't remember Valiant's part of it. I mean, but Jimmy
0: probably. Valiant was the one under the table, and the the story was one of them passed on it and one decided to stay and watch uh
1: Robert I think was the one that decided to stay and watch uh if I remember the story right but but remember look, that I... that
0: giant list was mostly bullshit too so we don't so while it is humorous don't... we don't know if it's actually true
1: right like but that's what I'm saying is that's when it comes to a low for the rock and roll that's what I'm thinking of Right. Like there's it's hard for me to come up with
0: their WWF uh, run really sucked in the late 90s, but that was just set up to fail.
1: Yeah, that that they they were they were not going to succeed because they were basically without being told they weren't going to succeed. I remember them having a match with the headbangers and the crux of the match came down to the fact that it was, quote unquote, under NWA rules. So whenever the Headbangers tossed one of them out of the ring over the top, that was a disqualification. Yeah. It was a, it was it was a BS way to to have them win. Maybe it wasn't maybe it wasn't the Rock and Roll. Maybe that was the New Midnight's. But
0: no, I think I think the I think the 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 um the Headbangers beat them for the titles, and then that led to um, the New Midnight's, which were Bart Gunn and Bob Holly bodacious bob yep. and was it bombastic bar?
1: Bombastic bar. Yep. I know, right? Um, but then you gotta compare it to the lows that the, Leech, the Road Warriors had. And like the whole hawking hawk and rehab angle. getting drop, thrown and off, the... Him off the top. Oh, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. And you could obviously tell, oh, that was the worst special effects ever.
1: It was awful. It was terrible. And, um, it it left a bad taste in my mouth. Like you know, it's the Road Warriors, man. They're awesome, but on the other hand, if I've got to have a tiebreaker, I'm going to consider the good and the bad, and that was
0: really bad. I will say, like WWF never got them. In their defense, like I I agree with you that their lows are a lot worse, but WWF like never Vince never got them.
1: Well, the the from a yet another shoot interview the story that i heard is because they they pissed vince off because he wanted them to change their name when they came over so he could trademark it because he couldn't trademark the road warriors right because they they already had the trademark on it and so like we need to call you something else and he goes we'll, we'll be the legion of doom and Vince like the legion of doom i like that they had already bought the trademark for wrestling purposes for that too
0: Oh, we have to we have to add um to their lowlights, Rocco.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's true. Oh boy. Oh, yeah, that's also fair. Um, but that's that's where that's where I'm at. Is it's it's if I've got to figure out something to break the tie, then that's going to be the something to break the tie. I uh, it. I hate to I hate to have to do it that way, but if that's what I got to do, that's what I got to do.
0: Well, Matt, you're gonna break the you gonna break the sweep here. Are you gonna go with us.
2: I am. Uh, I'm gonna go with rock and roll. Um, I would say I'll I'll add this point. Like to people who aren't like really hardcore wrestling fans, if they were just casual fans or just like. Not again, not wrestling fans, but just aware of that pro wrestling is a thing. If you were to like line up a bunch of of actual like wrestlers or just big guys, <clears throat> uh, and you put the Road Warriors in that lineup, uh, and you asked them, well, what do you think is like who do you think would be like a, a wrestling tag team? I feel like the common man would probably pick Red warriors just cause they, they were such big and they look just mean. And they obviously their, their aura was that they could just kick the shit out of everyone and did. Uh, yeah. so I think, I think people would, would just view them as like, this is like what I imagine, like I can, I can conceptualize. This as like a pro wrestling tag team, just two big giant, scary dudes. Um, but this is a podcast, uh, for all fans casual fans hardcore fans but i think all three of us are kind of more hardcore fans so i i i tend to appreciate the the quality of the work that the rock and roll gave um and still are giving over t- like today 30 something years later so yeah gotta go with rock and roll.
0: okay so we have our <laughs> final and i think this one might be disputed it is the steiner brothers versus the rock and roll express So I'm going to start us off on this one just because I can. And I'm going to go back to a previous <laughs> argument that I used. Picture above Jesus. So that is going to be my justification for the Rock and Roll Express here.
1: There, I, okay. I had said Steiner's probably my favorite tag team of all time. I can't, you know, it's, there have been other teams like the Rock and Roll Express. That I mean, I'm not saying they were able to do what the Rock and Roll Express did. Don't hear me say that. But I mean, that was kind of the 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 whole crux behind the idea of the Rockers, and and so that's where we you know, uh you know that's where we got the rise of Shawn Michaels and and that sort of stuff. There's not ever been. Anybody who's been able to to Steiner like the Steiners, and so it's I I've, I'm going to go with the Steiners because I mean it's it's the Steiners right? Like I, I made my my brother likes to play Mech Warrior, and there is a a clan in it called Steiner, oh, which actually Steiner. Predates, yeah, it predates the the tag team but I still like making the joke is cause you know, he, taught, he sent me a thing about the Steiners doing something and then I sent him the math promo back. Um, but it, it's, 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 it's the Steiners. Scott Steiner innovated the, the Frankensteiner, the her right? Whoever would have thought, what was the other thing he innovated? Cause he innovated. Was it the, the Steiner screwdriver? No 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 no. Yeah. There was something else that I would not have expected to see him do, but he did, and it was off the top. It was something that that would have blown my mind. Maybe I don't know. I can't I can't think believe it was a Somersault Centon, but I also can't believe it was like a, a shooting star press or something. Uh, but I, I saw it on Reddit a while back and I can't put my finger on what it was. I think but, I
0: remember that, but I can't I can't remember now. I also want to say though, um, P.D. Williams interview on Colt Cabana's podcast talking about spending time <laughs> with Scott Steiner is one of my favorites. You can find that story just on YouTube, like the taking him to Cracker Barrel. Yeah. He's like, I'm hey. going to drive the wrong way down this one way street.
1: Yeah. He's like, Scott, could you please not do that? You know how long it's been since I had an accident? Oh, God. <laughs> Seatbelts back on. Uh, yeah, that's that's a really good story. So it's um, for me, it's it. God, it's the Steiners. They for me, they encapsulate a tag team. Right. They're like that. That for me, when I think tag team, I think Steiners.
2: Shad, I'm going to I'm going to send you what you're looking for
1: the 450 oh yeah. my god
2: he did a 450 we did see this not, not that long ago and i was just like my jaw dropped
0: oh yeah right this.
2: yeah and and uh it's uh it's from 1987 too less anyone think that this is like he pulled it out in like the 90s or something it was way way before it, he didn't pull it out like in the late '90s, when you had guys like Too Cold Scorpio already doing it, he he busted it out in like '87. Yeah, it's Scott Steiner, who is just in '87 still just massive. Yeah, doing a 450, and it's like a dude, much like how Brock, when Brock used to do the Shooting Stars press, it's like when a dude this big and muscular should not be remotely this
1: agile. Yeah, right. It's not even fair, <laughs> is it?
0: He really was like a, a genetic
1: freak. Well, holler if you hear him. Alright, I guess, Matt, it's it's come around to you.
2: Wow. you this is you uh, to decide it this, all. This is so difficult. It really is, um, because...
0: Because, um... It really comes down... I really feel like this comes down to preference.
2: Mm-hmm. It is tough, because... So again, like when I got into when I got into wrestling, uh, rock and roll were not they were obviously like out of the NWA. Uh, they were probably like in Smoky Mountain at that time and I didn't have access to Smoky Mountain until like much much later. Um, but I'd, obviously they did have some brief runs in like the 90s with like WCW and with uh, WWF at the time. So much of the much of the quality stuff that I've seen, was obviously much years after the fact when I was able to actually get access to like old NWA and uh, other stuff like through the network or through tape trading. Uh, So I wasn't, I didn't grow up like a huge fan of rock and roll until I got access to that stuff. And then of course I, I, I think they're, they're one of the best tag teams of all time. And they have had so many great matches. I I still love, I, I still love like the stuff they did recently with the NWA NWA power. And Ricky Morton, as Brad kind of laid the case for, is incredibly underappreciated, even though like they they're very appreciated. He is a much better talker than I think people give him credit for. Uh, again, like he he basically created the face and peril trope, like that. It, it's they're a legendary tag team. That said, growing up, I was pretty much like a Steiner's fan. Uh, right when I was coming into. Wrestling was when they were still kind of with WCW. They were they were on their way out, and then they moved to the, the WWF at the time, and then back to WCW. But I became obsessed with them, and I just I'm still like amazed at some of the stuff that they did, and just like the power matches that they had, the match that they had with uh, in Japan or with uh, with Doc and Gordy, the Miracle Violence Connection, um, back like in '92. I gotta go Steiner's. I didn't think I, I didn't think I'd pick. I'd be the one deciding who wins this overall, and, and then it would be the Steiners. But there you go. Like I, I, and this is another one of those ones I feel guilty about my pick just because I love rock and roll so much.
0: There was there was not a good way to go on this one. I feel. Yeah. So there we have it. Our top tag team. The the winners of the. 4CW World Tag Team Championship, the Steiner (laughs) Brothers.
1: Now, do we have any honorable mentions that we want to throw in? Oh yes, do you want
0: me to start listing them? Because I have a lot.
1: Well, why why don't you list some? Okay, so I'm going to go
0: a couple from Japan, the Holy Demon Army and Footloose, both Kawada Tag Teams, actually um, the Briscoe Brothers, Mm. uh, Kevin Steen and El Generico, uh, America's Most Wanted Demolition, obviously. Um, Jerry Lawler and Bill Dundee just for their long storied history together. The Valiants, mm-hmm. uh, what was the one? I just had one on the tip of my tongue and I lost it. Um, mm-hmm. um crap, what was that team? Oh, Ted DiBiase and Dr. Death Steve Williams, Miracle Violence Connection, um fusion thunder liger and el samurai That that would be those are the ones that come immediately at the top of my head i'm trying to remember a team now because it's driving me nuts i'd say the von erics is a collective you can take any combination of them that you want
1: uh i'm gonna throw a uh a contemporary out that because I saw them do really good work, and then I I haven't gotten to see them do really good work for a while, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna shell for just a second for for the revival. They just got their release, and I'm looking forward to to seeing them go and and do some really cool stuff. Um, you know I, I'm I'm really hoping for some 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 you know excellent kinds of things because. Those guys are so good at putting on a match and being heels, but doing it without outshining their opponents.
0: That's a good choice. Like,
1: yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to that. Um, uh, this this is this is an outside, but I I, I still think I, I feel like we need to mention it so so uh, an angry person doesn't show up on our door, but the faces of fear. We should have them as honorable mentions. I say that in jest. I don't think they really care, but when it comes to Ming and the Barbarian, it's better safe than sorry. We should
0: throw the rockers on there as well.
1: Yeah. Um, I had someone else I was going to bring up, and now I can't remember who it was. Matt, do you have any honorable mentions you'd like to...
2: I have to think of the t- uh. Well, I mentioned book dust. Yeah, that's true. Earlier. Yeah, I uh, I just kind of want to comment about one of Brad's like, I'm not the biggest fan of them, but uh, but it is kind of a shame that because of their own kind of like personal issues, like you'll never see the Briscoes in like the oh. WWE yeah. or or even really AEW, which is a shame because. Uh, they are a tag team that, even though again, I'm not like the biggest fans. They were they're good enough that they they should have had in a different type of world. If, if they if they were in like a different era where you know they don't, they couldn't have gotten in trouble for like social media tweets or what have you, they would have had uh, a run in any kind of big company. Certainly, like the WWE would have would have hired them and they would have been like multi tag team champions probably by now, yeah. but
0: well, they did get signed, by they, they almost got signed by WWE. And that's when they made their ill-timed, um, their ill-timed, uh, tweets. Yeah. I
2: mean, I guess you, I guess you can never say never, but I just think this environment, like it's unlikely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, I would say very unlikely here's, um, just to, to throw another one out there for uh, for honorable mention I feel like that we would be remiss to not at least give an honorable mention to uh, Seamus and Cesaro hmm. uh, as the bar for uh, you know what carrying on is a damn good tag team when the rest of the world seemed to be falling apart around them in the tag division <laughs> um, I'd I, I, they i would not have thought that they would be a good team but they had their their best of 7 which came frustratingly came to an inconclusive end and yet they they became this team that seemed to really really take off and go and and really kind of become this 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 big kind of out of nowhere really successful tag team
0: um, can we go back to Gold Dust for a second? I feel he deserves multiple yep. mentions on here because Book Dust, obviously the Rhodes family, which deserves a mention, but also I want to dig a little deeper into the Dustin Rhodes era, his tag team with Ricky Steamboat, and his tag team with Barry Windham.
1: Mm. God, he was. They called him the natural, and, and at the time, you'd be like, oh, that's just because he's Dusty son, but he really was. He really was Yeah, natural. Yeah.
0: And then, uh, uh, oh, crap, I just forgot them again. Oh, the stud stable, because we're talking about Dustin Rhodes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I I actually
2: have, like, a couple. Um, uh-huh. Kind of a modern era. I was trying to think, like, we haven't. We don't really have like lucha representation here. Um, the, for like modern right now, Lucha Brothers are tremendous. Oh yeah, they're
0: a great. Um, one that's
2: that's true. I'm I'm way behind on on my AEW. Uh, but I just watched the the I think it was like a February episode uh, or late January episode of of Dynamite where it was uh, it was the tag team match with Lucha Brothers versus Omega and Adam Page. Uh-huh. And it was phenomenal, absolutely, like, tremendous match. Uh, another, like, another one that I forgot about, uh, but I remember them from, like, uh, 2000 CMLL, uh, Los Guerre- Los Guerreros del Infierno. Oh, that's a good Ray- one. Ray Bucanera and Ultimo Guerrero, that's- no relation to the career or family, as
0: far as I know. I was thinking really hard about lucha teams and the problem I was really having is I thought of a lot of people as trios and just like stables True. and that really, mm-hmm. that really screwed me up to get like a lucha team yeah. in there.
1: Speaking of, of, uh, trios and and using the free bird rule and that sort of stuff, I I feel like we'd be remiss if we didn't give a nod to the outsiders while we were at it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were. They, were um, they, I think, they deserve mention.
1: I mean, it, they frustrated the living hell out of me as as a little mark in the Monday Night Wars, because um, it just seemed like it was so impossible for anybody to get anything over on them, and I I, I desperately wanted that. I wanted somebody to get a hold of them, and you know, I I wanted the Steiners to to you know force feed them their own feet or something like that. Um, and uh, you know, it's it's it, it, one of the things that seems to kind of um, pass pass by is that <clears throat> it, it wasn't just the Outsiders; it was the Wolfpack. So that was Hall Nash and six. And they 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 use the free bird rule because they were saying you know it doesn't matter if it's which one of us it is, and um, then you so that's that's how they uh, that's in one of the cases how the Steiners got over on them is because they they picked their time to to make a run at the uh, to make a run at the outsiders when it was um, Holland six instead of instead of Nash being there.
0: Yep. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna actually dig a little deeper because you know footage is um, a little rarer. So I wanna I wanna dig a little into the seventies. So let's go with um, some honorable mentions The Crusher and Dick the Bruiser. Um,
1: oh my god. Didn't Road Warriors destroy them yes. in one of their early shows? No, I think it was
0: oh my god. I think it was Crusher and baron von rashke
1: i think I, I i'm i'm trying to remember from the documentary i watched but i thought it was i thought it was dick the bruiser
0: it might have been dick the bruiser but, but i think baron von rashke was the other one but i could be wrong
1: it's, it's fair enough either way
0: um the high flyers which was jim brunzel and greg Ganya um I just had one. The Briscoes, which is um, not the the current incarnation, but Jack and Jerry. Um, Terry and Dory, when they would team up. Um, Ray Stevens and Nick Bockwinkle. There was...
1: Brad, I am going to touch on a favorite of yours, since you love the twin switcheroo, and reach way back... To the Batten twins. Oh
0: uh, yes, Brad and
1: Bart Batten. And uh, I'm doing that because I, I worked shows with one of them.
0: Which one did you? And work he was
1: with? a uh, Bra- uh, Bart. Okay. Because Brad had passed away. No, Brad. Because Bart. Brad had passed away. It was Bart Batten. Okay. God. Wow. They're 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 hoodwinking me. Even at this point, they were a
0: staple team in the late '80s of like the regional circuit.
1: Yeah. Well, and and you had to be good, otherwise you wouldn't get hired. Yeah.
0: Um. I also think they because they were important despite what quali- the quality of what I would say. I'd say Rob Van Dam and Sabu were important for a time. Uh,
1: that's a fair point. That's how we got that wonderful RVD Sabu versus Hayabusa and Oh God. train wreck. <laughs> <laughs> then
0: I want to I want to dig a little into the indie scene of um, the 2000s. Um, Motor City Machine Guns of Chris Saban and Alex Shelley. Oh. And then that's <clears throat> a really good point. I'm going to yeah. dig into some ROH here and go um Generation Next of Roderick Strong, Austin Aries and Alex Shelley.
1: Okay. Um that that's, yeah.
0: But you had they were What was that? that? They were in TNA for a while too, so like I'd say they were like a thing from like 2004 into like 2006. Would you say that's accurate? Matt Say that again Generation Next and ROH and TNA They were like what 2004 to 2007-ish That sounds about right Yeah And then I'm going to go with a Chikara one Because I highly Well I'm going to go with a couple Chikara ones Uh, Mike Quackenbush and Jigsaw Mm. And then I'm going to go with Team Fist of Gran Akuma and Icarus
1: I was waiting to see if the ant colony or if the colony showed up.
0: <laughs> no, I w- Oh the Colony. I would do the colony.
1: I would do the colony, yeah. The
2: colony was fantastic.
0: Chikar really had a lot of great tag teams for a long time. It did. Oh, that's the one I was forgetting. Yeah. Um The Kings of Wrestling, Claudio castagnoli AKA oh, Sakaro, yeah. and Chris Hero.
1: That's, oh, that's a good AKA Cashisono. Yeah. Mm. Oh man.
0: They had a really long and good run on the indie scene. And if you really wanted to get into the weeds, even something like um, the Steel... Well, I think that might have been the second City Saints. uh, Colt Cabana and CM Punk.
1: (laughs) Kind of bittersweet now, isn't it?
0: Uh, LAX, too. uh, The... The current version, I think, is really good, and then the original version of Homicide and Hernandez.
1: Yeah. Um, that's the one that I, when you say LAX, that's, that's the team that springs to mind for me. Um, tell you what I'll even do in the course of this is uh, just because I know everyone's ...staying inside, or I hope everyone's staying inside, and you might want some stuff to watch that you may not have guessed, I will go ahead and throw it out there on the altar of the the uh, unforgiving public of an old tag match of mine. I'll even throw that into the, uh, the link for the description of this episode. So if you want to see some... If you want to see some indie shit, uh, I'll put it in there for you. So... I know I know no one's excited but that's okay that's I'm just throwing it out there as another thing so we can all try and get through this. All right guys anything else we want to say on wrap up here?
0: Uh just that I again enjoyed this like I there were some really there's some really interesting and thoughtful arguments thrown out for this that I would not have expected going into this. <laughs> And I don't mean that sarcastically. Like there's there, like there was some really interesting ideas tossed I'm, around this time.
1: I, I know you don't mean it sarcastically. I'm I'm just laughing because I'm thinking of what they were. <laughs> so that was yeah. This is, these are fun. These I enjoy doing these uh, these tournaments because we really kind of get to dig down and and examine uh, quite a bit in the course of of what we're looking to. Why what we're ranking, why do we rank it the way we rank it kind of thing?
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: So all right. Matt, do you have any parting thoughts for us? I don't. I think we kind of covered it. We covered a lot of ground here. Yeah, we did. All right. Well everybody, thank you all for very much for joining us. Do you agree with our selections? Do you disagree with our selections? You think we were on point when it came down to the Steiners? Or do you think that we were a bunch of Einsteiners for going with them? Please hit us up on our social media. Let us know. We would love to hear from you. This is Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three quarters. You're in the fourth, and we will see you next time.